What's that? What's the what's this song? She swallowed a fly that ate an elephant that killed a zebra that fucked your mom. <laughs> That's no. how I choked to death on a fly. Isn't that the song? <laughs> yes, she'll die. That's it. Maybe I do. Maybe want to I'll fucking die. <laughs> That's perfect. Song. That's a good intro. That's it. That's the intro. No. This is how it's going This is what you're in for. This is what you went through 112 episodes for. I mean, it is what we're in for. It's the end of the book. I mean, Fitz didn't swallow a fly, but he swallowed a lot of bugs. He's eating worms. He's... Oh, just wait for it. Eli, you got a really great chapter. <laughs> Jenny, you got a terrible chapter. I'm so afraid. <laughs> Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We are coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 112, Assassin's Fate, chapters 45 through 50. And I am Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a rereader. I'm Eli, and I'm coming to you from inside the skill stone. <laughs> I'm Ashley. I'm a new reader, and I will be spontaneously crying throughout this episode. <laughs> And I'm Joey, a first-time audiobook listener and apologizer to Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. All right, first up, corrections, omissions, announcements. Announcement! We're done! No! We've done it. We've gone to Mordor. Um... We we still have to journey back, but we've, we've thrown the ring into the fire, so... Be nice to us, folks. Um... I'm going to move directly into bird mail because we have a lot of it. Everyone had feelings and sent us mail. So here we go. First up is from Cat with a C, who says, thank you for three beautiful years. Hello, beautiful people. I will miss you all. I found you at episode three or four and have listened ever since. Your episodes have been a true high point of my life the last three years. I am very grateful that you all embarked on this project. I sincerely would not mind an occasional rambling in the future. It would be like meeting up with that school friend you have lots of good memories with, but you went your separate ways. And that's okay, because that is how life is supposed to be, and you will always love them still. Uh, regarding bee healing Boyo, I always thought Vivacia was feeding her stamina through the skill. I think the live ships would be able to do stuff like that, but mm. they wouldn't know to do real healing since they are not proper dragons. And also, as dragons, they don't know how humans work anyway, unless it's to make them elderlings. And then for Tarman, I also think he is not two dragons, since I think that the dragon in the cocoon in the second wizard wood it was taken from was dead. And I don't think that Tarman would have asked for wood if he hadn't known there was no dragon. 
if the dragon had been alive, he would have asked Lefturn to save the dragon instead. And since the dragon was dead, he only got the added memories of ancestors, but not two souls. Also, I am sure Tarman is going to be the bestest dragon when he finally decides to do the change. He seems smarter, more capable, and more compassionate in a non-sentimental way than any of the other dragons. Maybe he will make Skelly into a proper elderling when they are both ready. Aww. Aww. Yeah. Good Thank you for all the good times, Kat. Yeah, those were great. I think definitely that was Vivacia doing one last nice thing before she <laughs> became incredibly not nice. <laughs> I hope when Tarman becomes a dragon that he still has duck feet. Or like yeah. frog feet or whatever his little webbed feet are. He's like really into swimming. Yeah. He just he does swims. Not fly. He's like, He's like no, I swim. Exclusively swimmer. He's always good at it. Mm-hmm. He's like just... the Brontia... He's just got like those scuba flippers on. Like he's yeah. just wearing flippers. <laughs> a duck I hope dragon. He still has googly eyes. Duck dragon. I hope he still has googly eyes that don't actually move. Yeah, they're just drawn on. <laughs> he's just got, yeah. They're not like cool or anything. They're just like little kid eyes down the sides. <laughs> He'll break protocol and hang with the serpents. <laughs> yes, the he dragon. really likes them. Babysitter. <laughs> Yeah, he like he hangs out in lagoons and stuff. He's like he's, he's the, a nice he's, he's fungal, like a good omen. Tarman lagoon yeah. part of Rotland. Mm-hmm. Totally. Skelly still skips sails on his Y'all been on the Tarman rides, swimming. fucking boss. <laughs> it's just the log. Tarman. It's just a log. It's just a flat it's bridge. Not even a, it shouldn't even be a log. It should be like a piece of plywood. <laughs> yeah, Hang no, on it's tight. like a really it's shitty bridge. Uh, Hang on. All right, uh, next up we have an email from Juliet titled, Thank You. It says, hello, everyone at Bucky Bradio. I began reading these books in May of this year, and I was happily reading along through the Farseer trilogy and the Tawny Man trilogy. And while I clocked the books as above average in quality and emotional, I was woefully underprepared for the end of Fool's Fate, which completely devastated me. I was so upset, and when I spoiled myself a little for key plot points in the Fitz and Fool trilogy and found out there were more upsetting things to come, <laughs> I felt scared to continue reading, but unable to let the story go. I feel so fortunate that you are all doing this podcast at the same time that I discovered these books. By listening through the podcast, I feel like I was able to work through or understand so much more of the story and to see why it was bringing up such strong emotions. It helped to hear that I wasn't the only one so emotionally impacted because I do know other people who are reading these books that had very different reactions and it was making me feel a little nuts. Thank you for keeping me company over what has been a weird couple of months. Thank you for your thoughtful, humorous, millennial-centric analyses. Oh this podcast never <laughs> fails to make me actually laugh out loud. I also think you all do a really good job of keeping your quote-unquote facts straight, which is hard with so much material. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. That's that's very do it by saying, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, we just admit our flaws instead yeah. of actually right. knowing things. There are too many amazing moments to list, but some of my favorites have included all of the New York City references from Rachel. As a fellow New Yorker, I appreciate it. The time when Joey sang the song from Pete's Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Every chapter analysis from Melissa and the spoiler section where you all just talked about Lord of the Rings instead of the reference. <laughs> Is that what you guys and did? And then abandoned it halfway through. <laughs> 
As a it final thought, I think I've noticed a few references to Peter Beagle's The Last Unicorn over the course of the <gasps> podcast. Mm. Yes. It's a favorite of mine, and I'm wondering if anyone was noticing similarities between that story and the Rote story. I think Robin Hobb listed it as an influence, and when I began to think about it, I started to notice some similarities, not so much with the specifics of the story, but with character archetypes, if that makes sense. Anyway, feel free to read this on the air, and truly, thanks so much for this podcast. It's been a lifeline, Juliet. Thank you, Juliet. Oh, thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I'll have to think more about the last unicorn references. Oh my god. Yeah, I need to rewatch and think I'm gonna it. sing more Pete's Dragon. Oh. <laughs> I put Pete's So listeners, there is a, a new I don't know if you've discovered this. I did tease it on the Instagram if you don't follow us on Instagram. On I have a list of all of our, you know themed playlists we did a karaoke bkr karaoke one where i've we've been attempting to collect all of the songs that we referenced the pete's dragon one is on there so <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely enjoyment <laughs> if you put it all together it's just like a lot of like 90s rap and then like like musicals <laughs> so i don't know what basically a list water. for lawyers to reference when they want to come after us for royalty fees yeah, disney. <laughs> come and get me disney sorry come we, hey it. it's we sing it ourselves you sing it ourselves what are you talking yeah. about fucking parody mm-hmm. uh, they could definitely right. come after you no, for royalty they can't fees, come after us and we're singing it adam driver aladdin they can't come after me for pete's dragon that's all i'm saying Adam Driver Aladdin. Yeah, you haven't seen that? Yeah, SNL. No. Yeah. All right, cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Out of body experience. Hold, I'm coming back. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> this next email is from TJ. It's called One Last Goodbye. It says, I listened to the latest two episodes late, uh, so I decided I need to write one last email to say goodbye during the regular episode. It's been so lovely hearing everyone's ideas and opinions on my favorite series, and I will certainly miss you all. I can proudly say that I have mentioned you to my roommate, and she regularly asks if my podcast about those Jester books is still going. <laughs> <laughs> Sad to say I have yet to convince her to read the books, but at least she kind of remembers what they're about. I have convinced my boyfriend to read the series. He's currently on book two and just found out Night Eyes' name, although he is adamant he will only refer to Night Eyes as Cub. I wish he was a podcast guy, but alas. Now, on to some oddly related information. Our yearly rodeo, the famous Calgary Stampede, is weirdly having Kevin Costner as the parade marshal this year. <laughs> He's everywhere. Usually the parade marshal is someone important in the city or province, but this year they decided on an actor that my podcast friends love. And I agree, he'd be a good web, or possibly the older version of Burrich. Mondays definitely won't feel the same without y'all laughing in my ears, TJ. Dan Cuff. I mean, Tin Cuff is the, is the worst <laughs> Kevin Costner. <laughs> I honestly, like, I saw Field of Dreams was on one of the streaming services that I subscribed to, and I was like, maybe I'll rewatch it, and then I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, no, I just can't, <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> What's really funny is, like, I love all of, like, the terrible Kevin Costner epics, right? Anything that's, mm -hmm. like, more than four hours long where he's on a horse. Joey, only the rom-coms. <laughs> that's what he watches, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's our Tom Hanks reversal situation. Yeah, it is. Because I, I only like the rom-coms of Tom Hanks, and then you watch all the old man movies. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we have two emails from Kate with a K. The first one is called, this is amazing, Attic Solutions for Ashley. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. I just listened to the last episode, and y'all mentioned the existential terror that comes when one lives alone and has an attic. So I present to you my solution. Hook latches, like in the attached picture. To be clear, this is not really to assuage the fear of something coming to get you from inside the attic. Rather, it's insurance that if someone wanted to break in and then lie in wait in your attic to murder you, they would surely not be able to latch it behind themselves once they're through the door, and you would notice the undone latches on the nightly suspicious glare that you, of course, make at said attic door because you live alone. <laughs> I think this is genius, Kate. You're saving lives, okay? You're saving lives. <laughs> It goes on to say, yes, I was raised by paranoid survivalists. Why ever do you ask? Hope this completely unsolicited and unrelated to books advice is useful or at least gives you a laugh, Kate. And then there's a picture and it's a standard attic uh, opening like door. And then it has two hook latches on either side that you would definitely not be able to hook once you were in the attic and yeah, close. You got to be outside. So, <laughs> so then I do think like what if it is a duo and you have a crawl space dweller and an oh. attic friend and the crawl space dweller gets his friend in the attic and then goes underneath the house <laughs> but that's why you put a padlock on your crawl space doors folks put a lock so on it yeah also i know for a fact that i can very loudly hear people underneath my house because i have a vapor barrier and it's quite noisy when there's somebody crawling down there so i feel confident that i do not have a crawl space <laughs> dweller Yep. Uh, let's let's also read Kate's other email. Re adaptations. Um, it says spoiler free, but guess what? We're we're all spoiled now. This is the last episode. So Kate, it says hi, Bucky Bradio. Pretty sure if they adapt wrote into a show, it will definitely read way gayer without the internal monologue of not gay, not gay, not gay, not gay. Yeah. <laughs> what network that kick that kicks up after every tender moment? It's hella gay on paper. Also. If they tried to make Night Eye CGI instead of using a trained animal, I will riot, Kate. Agreed. Fully yeah. agreed. Yeah. We are not Need doing fucking a dedicated CGI. wolf budget. It's a yeah, it's yes. not a dire wolf. It's like a just a wolf. It's like he's a wolf. Yeah. It's just a regular wolf. Dances with wolf. Just a regular wolf. Just don't My, I used to have a coworker. He worked with me for like eight years and he had a wolf as his domesticated animal, which I, that's a whole other thing i know but like he got it from a rescue or something who knows what but it was a very cool dog he was very giant though like very huge but he was super friendly and just kind of bounced around the office and you'd be like oh hi puppy and then you'd still kind of be you terrified had a, a little bit wolf in your office you, you had yes. a night eyes in your office and you didn't say yes. anything Damn. we were we were a dog friendly office a wolf friendly okay. office your night eyes friendly office you're a dog ancestor. It was when it was. I will say it was when we were a much smaller company. Like oh, now cool. we're a very very large company, like, but it oh, used to the be when we, there were like fifty poodle. of us. Yeah. No, pretty much. Yeah. No, he was very well behaved. He was very well trained. I forget his name, but yeah. Um, for Halloween they dressed him up as little granny, and then his owner dressed as Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Best kind of dog is a wolf. It's true. You never have. You never have to have anything else. Uh, next fan mail is from Merrick, and it's called Fan Mail with three exclamation points. Hey, hey, Bucky Bradio, my dear friends. I'm Merrick, and I've been listening to your wonderful podcast since you released episode five. I love all of your thoughtful comments, banter, tangents, spontaneous art, and how you make Alyssa squirm. I joined you for your live stream. I was the Aussie and I'm from Brisbane and on or Brisbane. And on the live stream, I suggested that Jenny draw fits in Fool's Motley. 
<laughs> I'm sorry it's taken me this long to write to you. You yeah. can read this on air. How dare you? Here. Here are some thoughts I've had about the books. I think B, due to her parentage, is both prophet and catalyst because she sees the possible paths. And instead of encouraging a catalyst to make the decisions, she makes all the big moments happen. If all of the characters were Muppets, the only ones that would not be would be the animals, like Night Eyes and Motley. Agreed. Do you think this? I want you also to know that all of these changes are all in the same paragraph. <laughs> um, do you think the live ship experience is similar to the trans experience at all? I think it has some similarities. And I have to say the Wolf of the West is my OTP. Jenny, please make some art of that with some ghostly figures coming out or just the three of them squished or into a wolf. I don't know. And I totally want a trilogy of a 20-something bee and pear and motley getting shit done, uniting the world, mastering dragons, and exploring Mercia or the Spice Isles. Roteland should also have a teddy bear making or 3D printing workshop where you can make your wit partner or your dragon. And, and then you can take couples cosplay photos with it. <laughs> Get out of my house. And so it I shall really... be. And so it shall be. I really look forward to whatever you decide to do next and seeing you at Roteland. Lots of love and hugs, Merrick. <laughs> Thanks, Merrick. Oh, I man. want a really weird live ship Build-A-Bear paragon. Yes, <laughs> there's so many options. It's not shaped right. I just, yeah, I want a truly, truly bad stuffed animal. So would that be a stuffed ship? That you have, you put like two little dragons instead of hearts into it. It's like the it's ship like... is like a skirt. No, it's like the ship is like a skirt that you wear. And you're the. <laughs> you're the figure. You're the figure. Yeah. So you have to have this. I mean, I like the idea of putting little dragons inside of a ship stuffed animal, though. That's. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. You remember, do you, I don't even know. This is like a core memory from when I was too young, but I feel like there used to be some kind of stuffed animal with other stuffed animals inside of it. Yeah. The I, yeah, Pounds, I agree with that. Animal. Pound puppies. It? it was pound puppies. Was it? Are you sure? Was yes. it? Yeah. I, I thought it was the definitely puppies not came one separate. Like, I just said that. I'm not sure it's true. Well, I don't know because it was definitely not like a human with babies in it because I didn't know. No, that's disgusting. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sell ups. <laughs> I mean, I already don't want kids. That definitely would have. Also, um, there's this placenta. Eat the, the stuffed placenta. Oh, <laughs> Joey. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why is the mama eating oh that baby? Gosh. No, yeah, it's no. not a puppy. It's just a placenta. There, the it's pound fine. puppies did have puppies inside, but like the the mother pound puppy was very large, and then the pound puppies that I was envisioning were actually like the baby pound puppies. All right, whatever. Same concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with big floppy ears and then you rip it open and there's dragons inside. Yeah. Well, we have an option to just or get a stuffed log. A stuffed what if log? it was a re reversible thing so it was ship on the outside but when you yeah. reversed it it was a dragon. That feels better. Oh, like you mm. could like turn it inside out so you could turn it yeah. back into a ship. Like if it had you like a velcro to? bottom. Yeah, that'd be cool. You, like, flipped it inside Look, out. That's up to Robin Hobb. Okay. A reversible <laughs> stuffed A reversible animal. stuffed animal. That sounds Ooh. badass. Also, I'm really excited we, we for a plushy tarn. Um, we used to have teddy bears that turned into footballs. Oh. Why? And, and back yeah, that's because not they... two things that I would connect. <laughs> for the like, jocks like and, the, and, the, and the kids. Yeah. It was like a Steelers bear and it turned it, it, turned it was a bear. Oh, oh, it's a thing that they throw at a football game. Sports. I see. I don't know. It was the only part of football that I liked because it was a Sometimes a bear American needs to be aerodynamic, and so they just got to, like, hold up <laughs> like a Aerodynamic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right.
right. I got one. I've got one more piece of, of bird mail. <clears throat> this one's from Connor, our friend that can play the bassoon. It says, a thought about Kennet and to a lesser degree fits. So this is like real content, y'all. So pay attention. Okay, I'm taking notes. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Just finished reading and listening to Ship of Destiny. So Connor is much behind, but I love the idea that in our very last episode, we will answer an email from Connor, who is <laughs> six books away. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished reading and listening to Ship of Destiny, and I have a thought that I didn't hear come up in your discussion. Maybe we talked about it later, but we're going to talk about it now. First of all, <laughs> this isn't meant to exonerate the raping bastard, merely my headcanon about why he's such an asshole. Based off of what we learn later in the Fool trilogy, maybe not even until Fool's Fate, I'm looking forward to Ashley's reaction to finally answering that question for her. You're going to, that's going to go great. About the forging process. I always interpreted that Kennet was essentially forged by Paragon. If we have maybe four versions of this, number one, Paragon removing some of Althea's trauma so that she can heal. I agree that she should have taken more time to do that. A great resolution after that might have just been the chapter closing with her and Brashen hugging in the rain. Number two, Fitz putting his pain into Verity's dragon, which we see in the Fool trilogy having dulled him somewhat almost like he was in a cloud. Three, this is actually really apropos to what we currently read. Three, Paragon absorbing years worth of Kenneth's trauma, leaving him with the memory and the shame of what happened to him. And without the pain, maybe making it so that he doesn't didn't understand the pain he was inflicting on everyone around him. And four, actual forged ones. In my head, that's a spectrum of forging, with Althea on one end and actual forged ones on the other, with Fitz fairly close to Althea and Kenneth pretty close to the forged ones. Mm-hmm. I am glad that Kennet did get to die on Paragon for Paragon's sake. He had been carrying around someone else's trauma for decades on top of his own without a way to deal with it. And I hope that once it was assimilated back into Kennet and presumably reabsorbed into him, the context allowed him some peace. None of that explains for me why everyone loved Kennet. Clearly, he didn't deserve the admiration and loyalty he got from people. And I totally agreed with his little charm when he asked him, why the fuck do all these people like you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, R.E. Wintrow as Catalyst, I think he is a catalyst, he is a catalyst, where Fitz is Beloved's the catalyst. And I think of that line at the end of the first chapter of Ass Apprentice, quote, if all I had done was be born and be discovered, I would have changed the world. Something like that. I think Fitz is the catalyst because of how many threads swirl around him. Wintrow is a catalyst because he intersects a lot of different parts of the story, as do all of the Vestrits, really. One family is instrumental in unifying the Pirate Isles into a nation, freeing Tintaglia and uniting her with people, becoming the first elderlings and saving the Satrap, and establishing Bingtown as an independent city-state. They did a lot of stuff. I love Paragon's line to Amber when she's moaning about whether Wintrow did the right thing. What if somewhere there's a man who should have been a king but ended up a philosophical hermit? I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm writing this in a time capsule or something since I'm responding to where y'all were like two years ago. But still, I wanted to share. Hope y'all are doing well and still loving being hurt by Robin Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, very apropos, considering what we're about to go through in this section yeah. about putting your memories in, becoming kind of a husk of yourself. Like what what comes after, what comes before, what's too much, what's not enough. Um, so yeah, it's nice that all of these books that we read actually, like, you know, are relevant at this stage. <laughs> but that's it. It is a good point about Kenneth. Though. It is. It is a good point. Yeah. I think it's a, lo- he's a lot like, of good points. He's like the, I, almost the anti-fits, really. Like, I hope we talked about it in half as 
coherent as that was because that was pretty yeah i was gonna say like connor's like super smart very well yeah i'm just like over here connor's like no i have thoughts well hey we i i don't know about y'all but i always like have a bev and sit here and just shoot the shit so we'll see um all right so all right that's all the mail oh god now as a reminder continue to write us mail if you want the mail it's still open we can still see it and who knows what we'll do in the future uh so don't feel like you're writing to no one you're writing to us we can we can stockpile them into the batches and do a mini sewed with like maybe a couple people yeah that'd be fun um and then also this is so the the theme of this episode is is <laughs> chaos right just just what you all love it's what we so, excel at it's what we excel at um, so we have each written our our summaries as we usually do, but instead of reading our own, I have randomly generated a list where we will be reading each other's. So did we <laughs> do this? Ah, did we do this for ourselves? Afraid. Did we do it for you? Debatable. Did we do it for Debatable. Rachel? <laughs> it's gonna be a fucking chaos. Uh, <laughs> I was inspired. All right. Um, so the first the first up is chapter 45, which was written by Jenny, but will be performed by Ashley. Oh, all right. <laughs> I have not pre-read this at all. This is probably... Um, mine's just like sloppiness. I'm so sorry, Eli. Uh, but this one seems to have like <laughs> sentences with punctuation and things in them. So that's pretty cool. So Honestly, that'll just make it better. I'm going to give it a whirl. Chapter 45, A Princess of the Farsia. The intro comes to us from B's dream journal, telling of a gray man singing in the wind until he tatters away into it, leaving only his song. B smiles as she wakes from this dream. Sure, it will happen. We're back in Bupkeep now, and B is living hers and Fitz's worst nightmare. Their worst nightmare. See, these are the these are the intonations that I didn't rehearse beforehand. <laughs> Julie Andrews has shown up and told her she's a princess and she better start acting like it. And B is not happy. There are processions to and from the skill pillar, a feast and music and dancing. She meets her niece formally with an audience and has to have tea in a room full of ladies in two fancy dresses. At least when she tells them she's exhausted, she gets a moment without ceremony where she reunites with caution and they're able to weep together about all they've lost. Of course, then she's immediately forced into the uncomfortable fashions from Jamelia and has half her hair ripped out when caution tries to brush it before she's whisked off to dinner and where she and Sean, now Lady Shine, can hardly look at each other. The days start running together for her as she comes to meet this person and that person and Ketrickin, Ket, Ket, I don't why, <laughs> Ketty, we're calling her Ketty. I'm not used to saying the whole thing. <laughs> Ketty tells her she wonders if Verity could have given her a little girl like you, which is awkward to say the least. Eventually her days settle into, into a routine she doesn't particularly seem to enjoy. She has to spend time with her tutor, attend to the queen, learn the names of too many dukes and duchesses and their children, and eat dinner on stage. All she wants to do is go see Pear, but she's not even allowed that. Instead, she has to sit up straight and embroider with a bunch of mean girls who patronizingly call her Little Bee and try to get her and Shun to talk about their trauma. Fortunately, the likes of Lady Violet don't have strong skill walls and Bee fights back. Spotted Lady V with a gentleman who wears a green doublet and far too much oil in his hair. XOXO, Gossip Girl. Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Violet runs off in shame. 
Oh, I got a, we got a mouse scrolling issue here. There we go. In addition to not seeing Paris, she sees nothing of Spark either, and Beloved has become yet another new person, Lord Chance, with yet another convoluted backstory about how he met up with all of them. Honestly, it must be exhausting to keep it all straight. He tries to bribe her with gifts to like him more, but even a doll in an outfit reminiscent of the fool's winter motley, yes, may I, I may have teared up there, can't sway her. I didn't almost tear up there. That that was a lie. Uh, B doesn't even get get a say in her own skill. Sneaky Clancy reporting on her to Nettle and B has her father's struggle with keeping her dreams inside her own walls at night, and they may just have to quench her skill altogether, which seems a little bit extreme. What is it the fool says? What is it the fool says? <laughs> what is it the fool says, <laughs> Colin? <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Don't do what you can't undo until you've considered what you can't do once you've done it. Seems to apply here. <laughs> start to the At least Tap comes to visit and he wants to write a song about this trilogy. And she gets to go riding, but they don't let her get on a horse herself. And she has to go with a whole bunch of people she doesn't like. And she still doesn't get to talk to Pear. So she tells Pris to run. And she lets Pear catch up with her so they can finally have a little chat and commiserate about the current state of their lives. Until Lant Beloved come to spoil their desperation for a bit of normalcy. That was a very long sentence. Nettle plays bad cop <laughs> afterwards and lectures her and Riddle. <laughs> Nettle plays bad cop afterwards and lectures her and Riddle lectures her and riddle plays good cop and leads her back to her room <laughs> i can read we'll get there eventually that night she hears a distant music and gets up to follow it through the halls of buckkeep to find our old friend thick and his cat smoky and finally she's able to find a little peace and simplicity b tells him she knows him from fitz's writing and he tells her he misses him and how he used to bring him pink sugar cakes and then wants to show her buttons four brass and two wooden ones and i hope he somehow gathered them after they fell off jamelian dress or something (laughs) (laughs) finally b has a friend and a teacher she likes as he shows her how to make his skill music and build up her walls so her dreams don't leak out it's the best day of her whole life which is honestly just heartbreaking that was great. You did that good. was good. Jenny did a very good chapter. Sorry for my run on. Nope, sentences. you're good. <laughs> it's only the colon that got oh, me. Oh, oh, she's gonna get paid back in kind. Don't worry. Oh yeah, poor Jenny. Oh, so God. I feel like yours was nothing. lovely and neat and tidy. Watch out for the ellipses and the semicolon. <laughs> <laughs> so. One, okay, so obviously this is the end. We're on chapter 46. We know there's only 50 chapters, so we're at Buckkeep, and we're seeing all the people that we've kind of like, well, how are they doing? So we know that Shine is here, but we don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's people out there who are big fans of Shine, no. but I don't care about her nearly as much as I care about Thick. Like, I, I was yeah. waiting for yeah, Thick to be, to be reintroduced. I feel like the specter of, of like... I don't know. I feel like Thick has been with us just because we met other people with very similar powers and we knew, like, you know, we even said, like, Thick could take them. So I'm just really glad that B has met Thick, and I think that's really important. He's yes. just the best. He's the best, and I'm glad that he's doing well. I just like that he's instantly her friend and that they're just bonding over very, very simple things because that's all she wants right now that's all she can handle right now yeah chaotic well and it's what she was robbed of she hasn't had simplicity you know 
Right. And I think Thick has been through that himself. Like Thick has Thick's mother died and he was He's lost and abused. on and bullied. Yeah. And, yeah. And so he knows the importance of, of finding your own center and dealing with that kind of stuff too. And I think and the importance whether or of not buttons. he intends. Yeah. And the button oh my god, the buttons are so important <laughs> because <laughs> I was really happy that he has a cat friend. That made me very pleased that he has Smokey the cat as his companion. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the exchange with the cat where he's like, you can sit on Smokey's cushion. And he's like, <laughs> Excuse I don't me. want you to sit on my cushion. I'll know. <laughs> there was also all of the stuff about like, I mean, she basically, she has magic and they are basically talking about her like, well, she's not, she doesn't know how to use it. So mm-hmm. let's just drug it out of her until we know I mean, what to do with Nettle her. is completely is unhinged right now. The fact that she, this is, again, remember back when Shade was freaking out and she was like, oh, we had to drug, you know, everyone around him and every, it's like, you're freaking out. Just take the person who is a problem and either remove them from the situation or help them. I don't think that we need to skill blast B into having no skill just because... She's powerful. Nettle just doesn't know how to deal with people. Yeah. Nettle's a fucking stick in the mud, and I really like, need to it's really disappointing. Teach your sister. Just teach your sister how to use the skill. Don't yes. be like, oh, I can't Stop deal with you. Stop sucking, Nettle. Let's just. Well, also, it's it like she's you. not being treated her age for one thing. Like B is not five years old. She's what, like eleven? Yeah, and she also fucking survived on her own doing badass shit for a very long time, and they seem mm-hmm. to give that, like, exactly. zero credit yeah, no, whatsoever. No thanks to Nettle. Like, she made, exactly, like, she managed to make it on her own, and now they're treating her like this precious porcelain teacup, but it's like, Don't no, no. It. And I can't believe that Nettle doesn't appreciate that because she knows her mother's history for one thing. She knows what it what it's like to be alone. She had she had to help her mother raise a whole bunch of children. Like you'd think that she would be really familiar with how kids act, but she acts like she's never been around them in her life. I think it's very she odd. Just yeah. doesn't know. Bees just doesn't act the way she expects a child to act and she's just like do you think it's well i know that i know that nettle doesn't have the wit but do you think it's because maybe b is like the fool and doesn't really like show up in the wit and so like she's hard to like the fool she's hard to bond with she's hard to read maybe but i think it's more of a nettle thing i think it's more of like nettle had her own traumas and everything and now she's just like this overly cautious worry wart instead of like embracing everything that was thrown at her and using it to like boost her i feel like she kind of shut down a little bit and is just a nervous nelly about everything and is just like living by like very strict rules that she wrote herself instead of right and i feel like riddle i feel like riddle would not have fallen for someone like that so it's very jarring to see her act like that is it also supposed to be like saying something about her because she's just had a kid Maybe. And Maybe. She's projecting. And she now, she, she was now thinks that she... before, though. She... I think it also has to do with, like, her issues with Fitz and not trusting him to be a father. Yeah. I mean, not that she was she was wrong to be skeptical of his yeah. fatherly abilities. I mean, like, but Nettle like... faced down a dragon. Like, there's a, there's a part of her that's still, like, a farseer, right? Like, she's not... Right. That has a temper and all that stuff, and she's just acting. I don't know. It's very. But it's like I just she, think she had these preconceived notions of. Go ahead, sir. I just feel like she had these preconceived notions of B from, 
you know, the start, and she's never quite worked past mm-hmm. them, despite yeah. all that B has accomplished. Because even, like, B says she, you know, she's talking about all the stuff that she experienced, and everyone just kind of dismisses it. Which is fine with her, but also, you know, they're missing a large part of who she's become because of all of the things that she's been It's through. definitely isolating. I mean, I, obviously this is being done on purpose, right? Like, she is not finding mm-hmm. a groove in Buckkeep. Like, where... Fitz was a traumatized child. He loved Buckkeep. He wanted to be there forever. He had a place there. He had a job. B doesn't have that. But he also wasn't treated as royal. Exactly. He had. Mm-hmm. He was able to be in the, in the stables with Burge. He was able to, you know, run into town. He was able to go make friends with the entire kitchen staff. Yeah, you know? yeah. The guards. Like she doesn't and... get the chance to do that. She's monitored constantly well, she's being given like we there's a couple comments where it's like what will your purpose be not only in this family but in the realm right like you're obviously not going to be an assassin you're not going to be the skill mistress Ketrakin has been like oh maybe you can be my pseudo daughter you know and like those things are a little scary for someone who has again been very independent who has gone through a lot of trauma who doesn't necessarily like know any of these people this isn't even the life that she was kidnapped from and she's mm-hmm. she's definitely very isolated. I think this is a really great jumping off point for maybe any possible future stories. I'm not like begging Robin Hop. I'm not begging. <laughs> but also, please give us more. <laughs> but like more trauma. This is definitely the beginning of a book, right? This is oh, the for beginning sure. of mm-hmm. a of a of a, a story cycle. So and you know, Thick is there to teach her everything she needs to know about her magic. Nettle can fuck right off. And she's got Pear, who's her sworn sword, who's ready to run away with her whenever she wants. And she's got a horse that wants to go somewhere. Yeah, and they got she's that got cool the ass tools. bird. They got everything. Yeah, they got all the cool shit. She just needs to slip her leash and she run. Needs right. To I mean, like, it's nice that she's safe and that she's being, like, properly getting proper nutrition and like you know like has shoes <laughs> has and, clothes yeah like shoes, shoes. Yeah. basic things like you know like I, I definitely don't want to see her like married off for the realm right because that's what they love to do good lord no yeah but can you imagine beautiful's gonna be like oh i want to make i want to make an alliance with like some horrible kingdom and here's this inbred rat that you have to marry now and oh, God. <laughs> she's gonna be like dutiful what's your name what's my name this isn't it it's Britney, bitch. It's Britney. Britney, bitch. Yeah. Um, I did get. I felt very sad and awful when um, B and Caution commiserated together yeah. about everything that they'd been yeah. through. That was a hard. That was hard. I'm glad that Hob like remembered Caution enough to like bring her back for us, though, because she was. Well, I think it was so important for B to have somebody. It's like she knew that Revel wasn't going to be there and she's walking into this Mm -hmm. life. At least she has, like, somebody who's... And Shine has, like, already done her... Yeah. Shine has already done her, And Caution is also there for her. Exactly. That's nice. I do feel bad for Shine, though, because she really got the fucked up end of the stick of that, like, sibling... Like, like, you know, okay, yeah, it sucks, but Lant got to go have an adventure. He found love. Like, he was a hero. Shine I know, and stuck here this whole time. I kind of really <laughs> hated that because, like, we were... I get that Shine was helpful and brave and smart about things when B and her were being held captive. But, you know, we were told in the beginning, you know, she had the needles that she could stab people with and... She was, like, somewhat trained by Shade, and it was just really annoying to see her 
just kind of become this shadow of a human tucked away in a corner. It does feel like maybe, maybe she's being, I mean, Ketrickin, her standards for some of her ladies in waiting has always been a problem. <laughs> but like maybe, maybe she's like around because she doesn't trust Rosemary. And wow. maybe Shine is, is is a tool for her, like, you know, in, in her brother's kind of like image where it's like, this, you're, a, you're, a, you're a knife, you know? I don't know. Shine could still have adventures. I think that Shine has still has it in her to be a main character. It's just really sad to see her, you know, doing fucking cross stitch and shit. So don't want to see that. She should go outside and, and do some knife work with the guards. Yeah. Stab I would shit. anyway, at least it's stab, stab, to, stab. to stay scary in front of some of these ladies in waiting. <laughs> like, Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Stupid bitches. Those dumb whores. Katrickin, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not Katrickin, though. It's Eliana. Yeah, I guess we're so. Eliana's. Eliana is. And you know, Eliana kind of... gives zero fucks about any of those dumb bitches. And she's messy. <laughs> she's messy. She's a messy person. She's walking around with her tits out. <laughs> <laughs> only cares about having daughters and that's it she's like well she remember remember her own cousin was trying to kill her and shit she's just used to yeah. it this is normal for her yeah she's a kardashian um she, she comes from the mean girls islands uh so all right so she's having cakes uh b is learning how to put up her walls a little bit better so she doesn't skill poison everyone at night she knows how she knows that pear has not abandoned her he's just at a much lower level socially than her but he's there he's a resource and the fool continues to flutter around on the outside completely useless unable to make any connections (laughs) lord chance is this the same lord chance as the mage no this is a different guy no that was mage gray Gray. yeah (laughs) this is a different guy We do should do everyone... the uh, we should do the 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 unpopular cosplays of the fool. So just just Mage Gray, Lord. Whatever, Chance. Mage, Mage Gray was fucking Mage awesome is... for cosplay. His his look was fantastic. Yeah, that was a good one. But do you think everyone at Buckheap knows exactly who he fucking is and just is like, yes, all right, a hundred percent. Like oh, this guy's like, back that guy. Like got Jesus. Name. It's like whenever Joaquin Phoenix decides he's got like a new personality, it's like that where it's like we all know who you are, but fine, whatever, whatever you want, man. <laughs> You're rich. Oh, amazing. All right, uh, let's go on to chapter forty-six then. Uh, you know, because pain. <laughs> all right. Um, this, I'm oh well, this doom. one chapter forty-six was written by Ashley and will be performed by Eli. That is correct. <laughs> performed. <laughs> The Quarry. The chapter <laughs> opens with the folklore of skill pillars from the dearly, clearly, dearly, whoa, I can't even read. The dearly departed shade. There are stories. Some, of, some about people going into the pillars. Some about people coming out of the pillars. Sometimes people escape punishment. Sometimes people see a genie who grants them three wishes. Ultimately, these tales stem from people not knowing how the fuck to use skill pillars. <laughs> Fitz and Motley come tumbling out of the skill pillar, and Night Eyes very helpfully repeats over and over, The moon. 
<laughs> Fitz puts it together. The moon is almost half full. But what was it before? How long has it been? Eh. Fitz wonders where they are, and Night, Night Eyes tells him they are exactly where they need to be. The quarry! Fitz, thirsty from traveling from anywhere from five to 5,000 days, finds some scummy water and drinks it because when you're a human worm buffet, you drink what you want. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz is annoyed. The quarry is all wrong. They were supposed to land in Kelsingra, and now they're in this dumb, stupid quarry. Fitz, or Night Eyes has a skip in his recording and says again, we're where we need to be again. Sorry, I'm butchering this. Nope, you're uh, good. <laughs> Fitz finds Verity's old campsite, but it's is shocked to discover nothing is left over from one billion years ago. Bummer, an old cardigan would have been really nice to take the chill off. Speaking of chill air, it smells like fall, which means they have traveled for a hot minute. I can't be more specific than that because apparently I was supposed to remember what season it was three chapters ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's just asking too much of me. Me too. In a different <laughs> is annoyed that Fitz can't remember anything, time or otherwise, about their passage in the Skillstone. So you don't remember riding the Gulf Stream with Shade? My boy! <laughs> no, very... <laughs> you don't remember Verity's... Saying you have a task. No shrewd telling you to brandish your pen. Once again, Night Eyes gets to be disappointed in his friend. Night Eyes also feels like their body is off. Yeah, me too. Uh, Fitz, <laughs> Fitz chalks it up to a little car sickness and Night Eyes is like, Fitz, are you really this out of tune with your body? When's the last time you got a physical with blood work? We are a human worm buffet. <laughs> oh, Oh, good. They just did the math for us. It's been a month in the pillar. Thanks for that. <laughs> so B and everyone should be home in Buckkeep now. Let's go home, he says. We'll just take a lovely little hikey jaunt down the ghosty brick road and use the rooster crown pillar to get back to Buckkeep. Schwing. Fitz gives himself a... <laughs> I don't think I would. I have ever considered saying that before. That's awesome. Swing. It just came out of my mouth. Um, just reading the teleprompter. Fitz gives himself a hug because, gosh, it really is chilly, and he realizes that his skin—he is skin and bones. Better get a fire and then waste our energy on skilling. Woof, Dad is like. I, I read it like. Woof. <laughs> Jenny, I'm going to need a t-shirt. Buzz's girlfriend, woof. Woof, dad, is like, no, no, no. Verity said, no skilling because you're too dead-like. Save your strength for the task. Fitz, truly infuriating at this point, has no idea what... Night Eyes is talking about. He doesn't remember a damn thing. And Night Eyes, like a person quizzing their partner on when their anniversary is, says, You would if you truly wanted to remember. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> As an up note, Fitz star st starts hustling for some firewood <laughs> and Needle Hog. We get to reminisce about Woof Dad getting chanced. Getting getting spiked spiked by a needle hog back in the day. Yay dinner! 
I also think it's really funny that he happens to find the only creature in the world he possibly could have killed. Fitz struggles to make a fire and is so weak he actually falls asleep. He forgets he has magic hands and can just shout fire and poof, fire is had. Fitz says he didn't know he could do that. And I'm like, dude, you murdered people with your hands from a distance like fucking Carrie. Carrie, Carrie who... Carrie. <laughs> Carrie from the movie Carrie? <laughs> Amazing. Anyway. <laughs> I spelled it like the men's the men's version of Carrie, but you're right. It's Drew Carrie. Yeah. Like Drew Carrie. <laughs> Definitely that. My dad's middle name he's, is Carrie. I just went C A R Y. Fire seems very doable. Dinner is had. Fitz thinks that Starling thinks about Starling, and honestly, we don't need her to end this book, okay? No, thank you. <laughs> Same. The new plan is to hang out for a few days and eat some fish, lays about, and then start the trek home. Motley ain't having it, though. She says, fuck off, and flies into the skill filler. Lol, birds are great. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when she flew into the pillar. She just, like, zooms in. Night Eyes, the relentless one in relationships, starts quizzing Fitz on the skill passage. You sure you don't remember anything? Hmm? Nothing? Not a bit? Not a little Verity telling you to carve your dragon because you're dying? Hmm? No? Okay then, fine, I'll tell you. Everybody says it's time for you to start carving. Pick a rock and get to it because you are dying and that's what, how, what you're supposed to do now. Fitz isn't thrilled about the idea. And wants to think about it, and Night Eyes is like, Sir, I have no intentions of dying, and I'm going into the dark abyss alone for eternity. I have a good thing going, hopping from body to body, and I'd like to keep it that way. I need to smell the air. So Fitz decides it's time to get deep. What is Night Eyes? Woof Dad is aghast. I am a wolf. No, you were a wolf, but face it, this is kind of weird now, isn't it? He's not just a case of... <laughs> Pudding brain and memories because he remembers the skill pillar journey though. And B can hear him and he lives in Fitz and Fitz and he he Fitz dies, Wolf Dad dies too. <laughs> you were there and then you lost it. Yeah. Fitz selfishly wants to go home to see B and Night Eyes recalls that Verity wanted to go home to his family as well, but he didn't. So now it's Fitzy's turn to do the same. Fitz is annoyed at the sense of urgency Night Eyes has for the carving project. And he just isn't grasping that he is filled with to the absolute brim with worms and is dying. <laughs> Fitz thinks he has all the time in the world, so he'll make a decision later. Then his nose starts to bleed, which makes him like just a smidge alarmed. And he's like, so Night Eyes, if I really needed to, could you hop over to B? And like, technically, yeah, but Night Eyes is interwoven with Fitz, and that's where he'd like to stay. So Fitz gets up to get wood and take a small detour to go window shopping for stone. That piece is nice. Has a good sheen. Mmm. Too small. But they start reminiscing again. And this time a memory of the early cub days gets sucked into the, gets sucked into the stone. Well, that stone has fur now. Might as well keep going with this, right? So we got it started. It felt good. And the time is right. But no, Fitz. Is stubborn is a stubborn son of a bitch and just walks away. Maybe later. I'm still thinking about it. But Night Eyes is fed up. I won't watch you die. I don't intend to die, says Fitz. Does anyone, replies Night Eyes. Zing. 
Fitz falls asleep, but jolts awake. The fire was almost dead. Needed wood. Why didn't Night Eyes yell at him for being lazy? Silence. Fitz is alone. You did really good, Eli. I, <laughs> you had a lot was, to deal with. <laughs> I was. Tr- I was. I was tried. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Sorry for the Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Swing. Swing. So Schwing is from Wayne's World. Swing. I remember that's, Wayne's World. Okay. He, that's what they say. They go Schwing. <laughs> And Carrie is Carrie. <clears throat> From the movie Carrie. Also, LOL at getting chanced. That yeah. was too fucking funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I think Eli thought it was a typo, but it's from Homeward Bound because chance gets stuck by Smacked in the face, with, in the the face with the porcupine. You know what? I will, I will take the movie quotes because I was so scared that I was going to have to sing something and not know if there was a song, I would have prefaced so you could like at least practice the melody a little bit before you had to get up there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so obviously this is the moment. We're back in the quarry. So now is when we talk about the fact that Joey predicted this four books ago. That I didn't know shit. It was... I didn't know anything. I was dumb as shit. I didn't know anything. <laughs> You know, but Robin, but Robin Hobb did leave you some clues, right? Let's yeah, give yeah. her some credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. You just come real. up with that idea on your own. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I make it didn't, up. I just didn't want to ruin it for everybody else, so I didn't say anything. Yep. <laughs> okay, beloved Amber. <laughs> so, Joey and I were having this discussion actually the other night. When somebody is goes in when they die and yeah. they go into the skill stream, right? So we've got the skill stream where like my boy and like everyone's surfing and having a good time my and there's boy. whales and like it's like finding Nemo. Everyone's in there, right? But they're also in their dragons. Tell me how that makes any fucking sense. How do we know they're in their dragons? Verity's in his dragon. How do we know How can Verity be in his dragon and in the skill so, stream? Like- you're, oh, I see. How can Fitz be? In I thought his you meant that they were the in their stream. dragons in the skill stream. He's not. He's not in his body. His he liquefies and goes into a skill pillar. Yeah, you're this. You're this amorphous Jedi ghost. I think you're just, just like you're out there. You're <laughs> just, just no, but yeah. explain it to me in Star Wars, Joey, so that I understand. You're out there. You're Jedi ghost. You're living. You're Qui Gon Jinn. Qui Gon Jinn figured out yeah, how to okay. do this shit. You're out there. You're amorphous, but then you're not. You're now. You're more material, and you're a ghost. And you can talk to your friends, but then so what is this the really point cool of video the stone game. dragon? There's a what really is cool the video game the stone so that the plebs can recognize you, so that they so you make this also... piece of art. You make this, and you get in it. Yeah, it's this your, it's little your... wind up piece of art that's only gonna last for one you know three dragon blades your inve- evangelion and... suit you can get in there and you can you can right okay so you're in it right <laughs> yeah. it's your that's get your gundam you get in that fucker and you can you can you can rock some shit and then you can get back into the skill stream yeah right right okay, that doesn't seem fine. crazy it, to me it's like their permanent place is the skill stream but occasionally the world calls upon them to save them for something and they can't do that without a physical 
body. So but why they have do they these... have to, what, what's with all of the sacrifice and, and drama around making these these stone dragons? Like, why can't you? Well, just because we can't just be letting people dragon. be making these important stone dragons willy nilly. Like it needs right? to take so, some like, effort. They're because they like to be dramatic. Also, flare. It's hard work. It's hard work. Flare is important. Flare is important. So it's essentially a golem and you can only get into a golem that like vibes with you, right? So this is you trying to get the rock to vibe with you. But here is my here is the part that I just can't figure out. Let's go back to the idea of being forged. So you have to put all of your memories into a dragon to turn it on, right? Yep. To give it enough memory. Yes. And we know that like one person, if it's a goodly sized piece of stone, is not enough. Correct. You need a couple people. You need a whole coterie. You probably need the wit too. Books. And well, you need the wit to turn it on, right? So, but you need the skill to make it. So you get in there, you make it, you turn your, you forge yourself. You are Keeble Rawbread. You're in a fucking ro- you know, stone, but you're also completely yourself. You're fine. You have all your memories and all of your connections with your family in the skill stream. Tell me how this makes sense. What is, what's how? Ha- I'm not well, making a connection. This is a fantasy the, book. Uh, d- separate, <laughs> separate it from the dragons for a second. Fitz can leap into the skill stream without being in a dragon. Mm-hmm. Without being he, forged, either. Yeah, he goes back into his body. Yeah, and it's always pulling on him to, like, get the fuck out of his body. But Yes, okay, fine, yes. That part I get. Totally get it. So a, a skill, a skill, a, a, a memory stone dragon is just, like, it's a body that you can jump in and out of without having to worry about it dying. No, it isn't. It's not a body that you can jump in and out it of. Is. It's a body that you put every memory you have until no. your physical body is dead. No, yeah. it's a collection of ideas to maintain an age to ma- maintain an identity that you can then occupy. But from he the just maintained. Stream. He just proved that they maintain their identity in the skill stream. Right. Well, I, I don't know if it's. I don't what know is if it's the that, purpose of? It this, is literally this, more this concrete slow... than that slow emptying of yourself maybe the the you in the skill stream is like your soul or whatever and then the uh the dragon is just like a hard drive you put some you put a bunch of data well i think i think that they i think that you when the thing is is that he's when they say that they put themselves into the dragon i think that they retain an s like an i an understanding of what the thing that they put into the dragon was but they're just so fucking tired it feels like it's gone so they, oh, they're like, they're like, the oh, the memory of the thing that I'm recalling right now that I know that I put into the dragon that's in the dragon now that I can recall still. It, like, like right. e- even through all the chapters where he's talking about like transferring them, he it's he know, he's duplicated it. It's known, but like I think the effort itself right. drained. I mean, him. he's been craving to make a dragon ever since he figured out that you could make a dragon. Right, ever since the last book in the first trilogy, Fitz has wanted to make a dragon. Yeah. But here's my here's the thing I think is what's actually happening. The stone dragons are art, right? We know that. We've been through Kelsingra, we've gone into the past. We know what the original purpose of them was before they were co-opted by the six duchies coteries. So they are art. I think it has more to do with what Eli said. I think that they are copying themselves. I think this is more like Star Trek. This is more like they are they're making a golem that has their personalities and ethics and morals and goals, but they themselves are in the skill stream. Now with the wit, you can wake it up. In Kelsingra, they 
did not move around and run around, right? Like they they did like a series of like pre-programmed things and then stopped. Like they were mo- they were like Harry Potter paintings. Or, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But in the six duchies, they have like agency. They get up. They they you know kill small towns. They run around. They keep. They're also people. like pretty incoherent. Right. They're just yeah. kind of like a force to be reckoned they keep, with. So, yeah. so I think it's more like a custom car that you have programmed with your personality. Sure. And you are in the skill stream. And you can pop out of the skill stream when you no longer have a body and use it as your body. That's what I think. So when they are activated to go on a mission, do you think that they require require somebody to pop out of this skill stream and and embody the stone dragon or do you I don't know feel if they like have they a choice. can work autonomously I don't know if, I don't know if they have a choice I think if someone with the wit and the skill activates these stone dragons the people who made them are ripped from the skill stream and stuck in there So you okay so like regardless if it's like willing or not you think that they do vacate the stream and uh, go into the dragon in order to Yeah I mean it's you, not permanent me? it's not permanent because they uh, they 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 it's deliberately not, yeah, I get they that. Cite... It's like you you put a quarter in and it runs for 45 seconds. Like, yeah. <laughs> because are you trying to tell me that like the Wolf of the West, spoilers for the rest of this book, could get How into the you. skill stream and talk to himself, like that he can talk to his aspects? No. Like and also this is a way for people who don't necessarily have the skill like the fool to enter. This is uh see, I'm starting to get but... existential. I don't this uh, Robin Hobb, you messed up. I think you messed up. We can talk Uh-oh. about this later, but I think she messed up. She's not on the podcast. I, I do think there's something to that, though, because clearly they were able to speak with Verity or something, some aspect of him when he... he Far more he, than they could speak to Verity as dragon. Yeah. Well, Ver- no, I mean, Verity as dragon also, like, gave fits heat when he needed right but heat. he didn't have conversations like he did in the skill stream yeah he doesn't like show well, up in his did. i just i feel like yeah they're i don't know it's a lot this is a lot sadder of a concept and has been a sad concept to me since it was introduced it is not like an immortality thing to me and it is not it's a very sad echo it's like a it's like a memory box. Like the way that the stone cubes work is I think exactly how the stone dragons work. The memory cubes. Yeah, this isn't so, uh, this isn't but Elden if you think Ring, that the, but okay. if you if you think that the dragons are a clone and not actually them and they're all getting to hang out in the skill stream with all their homies though, is that sad? Well, I think it's sad for you if you're not if you're not in the skill stream. So you're saying that like Night Eyes and Fool wouldn't be in the skill stream only Fitz would be. No. Yeah. But then you bring in the component of Night Eyes because Night Eyes is always like riding with Fitz. So I feel like there's a pretty but good chance. The aspect of, it's the aspect of Night Eyes that. I think they're I mean, intertwined. I think they're intertwined. Yeah. I think that they have a channel to the skill tra- stream through Fitz. But if your and question is, and does Fitz everybody else linked. die? If the question is, is, does everybody who's not skill like like if i'm not skill sensitive do i just die and and like a, like like that well, i don't that? know is I don't your soul so. made a skill user i think that anybody i think everybody's attached to the skill stream some people have better like they're more in tuned with it well what that goes there? back to the idea of like 
how many people are really like truly don't have any skill versus people most i feel like there's a very small percentage of people who have zero skill and most people have some skill what about birch they become krill (laughs) right but what what about (laughs) no what about birch he's been he's been locked to the skill and pear doesn't seem to have anything either so like is this not an option for them are they are they like they're like elves you know in middle earth where they just cease there are no there's no afterlife for them in this weird skill well but i mean so what if there isn't like that's what we're dealing with in our lives anyways like so you go into the well in our lives well yes but this we're talking about a fantasy world where there seems to be an infinite stream of consciousness that you can join if your genetics so (laughs) well i mean it is what i mean it's like it is what it is not (laughs) everybody like molly's not gonna be in the skill stream like so what the yeah. divide well, right of kings. Bye, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> no one talks well, like, about Molly at the end. We can go. <laughs> we can. <clears throat> we can go back and say like, okay, everyone is connected to the skill at some some because it's the life force, right? In this in this realm, it is the life force, right? Uh-huh. It's the the oversoul. But there are people who have been disconnected from the life force, like Burris. So you, but and like I, Pear, he doesn't have fool. any. You think Pear was disconnected from the life force? Because he ain't got got a goddamn smidge of that shit. These are the endless questions that roll through my head as I read this very neat and tidy OTP lives forever. Don't worry about it. They're happy. They're finally one kind of thing where I'm like, no, no, no. I don't believe you. I just accept it as a nice thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. I'll accept it as a nice thing. What does anyone else have to say? Go go look at your little text chat. Nice. Woof daddy. Ooh. Yes, perfect. Woof daddy. Woof That's daddy. Woof, woof, woof daddy. Um, also, you mispronounced buffet. You called it a buffet and it's a buffet. <laughs> it's a buffet. You mispronounced buffet. Uh. Buffet. Buffet. A little warm buffet. Okay. Um, anything else you want to say about the quarry, Ashley? Did we hit everything that you wanted to talk about? Uh, sure. I think, it's, I think we're good. All right. Do we need a break or can we hit 47? Let's go for gold. Yeah. Okay. Chapter 47 was written by Alyssa. Will be performed by me. <laughs> I don't use Love punctuation, me. so good luck to you. <laughs> All right. All right, this is chapter 47, A Wolf's Heart. The chapter opens with a letter to Revel about the highest quality leather-bound book in the land. If one page is out of line, it's curtains for the booksmith. (laughs) Every night, B returns to see Thick and starts to give him gifts, including kerchiefs and little cat doodles and really nice rocks. He promises to keep them a secret. Quote, he will not keep them a secret. <laughs> oh, oh my Jesus. God. Are Joe? you okay? Oh Did you just I'm fall fine. over? Joe, I'm, I'm fine. My head is fine. I didn't hit Joey? Did you fall over? Did you hit your head? I didn't were, hit my head. I just explained you, that, didn't it? Were you leaning back it in your like chair and you fell? It's not a lie. I'm fine. 
Rachel doesn't believe a damn thing I say. <laughs> well, you said it kind of like a little kid who's like, I'm not bleeding. There's no blood. That's because I know Rachel so well. She's like, I heard a crash. He's dead. And, he, and, and, and I <laughs> He's him. talking like, to us from the skill stream right now. He made it. Good job. Some say you can still hear Joey. He turned into yeah, a 3D in print mode. of some weapon. <laughs> no, I, 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 I knew I was falling. I fell back. My head was lifted. I skateboard, okay? Like, I know how to fall. And I you didn't skateboard with a helmet on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Time to wear a helmet podcast. I'm a little shocked that the hair bailed on me. You fix yourself there and promise me that you didn't. Did you? I promise I didn't hit my head. I don't, I don't know oh why God, you don't What was that? <laughs> That was me trying to cheer up, right? He hits his head again. <laughs> you know, if I stop, if I start talking backwards, you can. Uh... It was just like we could hear the chair squeaking, and then it squeak, 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 and then it thud. Why? Why is my phone at? My phone is listening to me. It's like voice to text speech right now. Why is, is it, my phone? It was, do you going... have emergency settings? Was it making sure no. you could communicate? <laughs> it thinks you're dead. It thinks you're like, dying. It's the skill stream. <laughs> 9-1-1. Don't say it that. It sucks. <laughs> All right. Are you better? Y- yes, I'm drained out. All right. <clears throat> Try to put your foot up and you know. Are you trying to sabotage my chapter? Yes. Right? <laughs> Somebody get I this man a Jenny already, don't worry. Oh, no, I'm scared. All right. Spark wakes Bee in the dead of night to tell her. She also lets her know that she's a spy for Nettle, so she'll have to report back to Nettle about Bee seeing Thick. But hey, you're welcome for the warning. Bee is at an interesting point in her life where everyone she knows is posting about their babies on Instagram, yet she's still in school and going to classes. It's on her ride with Nettle, the micromanager, that Bee is confronted about seeing Thick. Luckily, Wolffather slams into Bee's mind the second she lowers her skill walls to bring some plot into the chapter. He needs to see Ketrickin immediately because he still has a crush on her. Yep. Um, oh, and her dad is alive for a little while longer, but not much longer. So it's important that we go see Katrickin now. Please look upon her and give her a mental smooch. B is upset at Beloved, naturally. Wolf Father says he believes he can rest and... No. <laughs> yes, it's italicized. That's I'm too sorry. Hard. Oh, no. Uh, Wolf Father says he believes he can rest and be well enough to come home. I know he cannot. It is time for us to carve our dragon. They go see Ketrickin and Wolf Daddy is all Aragorn saying shit like, you walk like a... F- Joey, what the fuck are you Joey, doing? Joey, you're making so <laughs> much noise. chapter. I'm gonna riot. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage. They go see Ketrickin and Wolf Daddy is all Aragorn saying shit like, you walk like a forest hunter hunting some orc. It is complete romance. <laughs> the beacons are lit. Amidst the suave flirting and ginger cakes, Ketrickin is caught up on Fitz's doomed situation. Ketrickin decides that she's headed to the mountains on an expedition with the fool to find him. Nettle is like, must you? And Ketrickin tells her to kindly sit the fuck down. 
Nettle tells B privately that she and Ketrickin are absolutely not going on the journey. Meanwhile, B, on her way to see Beloved, is already plotting to go on the journey. Quote, I hate this guy, but he'll do what I want. She runs to Spark on the way, who does some acting coaching for her. She demands to know why Beloved left Fitz alive, and he can't believe it's true. Lant, Pear, and Motley are... Uh, all roll in and yell that Fitz is alive. Beloved announces that they will all leave through a skill pillar before nightfall with Ketrickin. And by the silver on my fingers, it's the end of the book and I'm out of zingers. You do not have to read this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So Night Eyes again, MVP making everyone do exactly what they should be doing instead of what they want to be doing. These books would not happen without him. No, he's, yeah. I love when B gets to Ketty's room and Ketty walks in and she's just like, you know, puppet talking, whatever, whatever Wolf Daddy Mm -hmm. says. And he's like, you still walk like somebody who's in the forest with your bare feet and the waggier hips or whatever the fuck it is that he says. And it's like, whoa, whoa. It's like, remember that time you drank the blood of a rabbit and put your fingers in my ruff? I did not know where that was going. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because Night Eyes definitely always thought Katrickin was like the best bitch. Oh, he wanted to have wolf sex with her. He wanted, you know, when Fitz had sex with Molly and he was along for the ride. He was gonna. No, you mean when Night Eyes had sex with Molly? I mean, sorry, what did I say? Barity was up in there, and he could have been in there. No, Night Eyes had sex with Molly while Fitz was fucking asleep. (laughs) What you? He wanted it to go down with old Ketty. I don't think he wanted to. I just think he knew that's what he had to do. He was doing his duty. No, no, that's not how that conversation went. Anyway. I like also that Ketrickin is like 65 years old and he's, she's like, all right, I'm going hiking. We're going up Everest. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> Pull up my boots. Let's do this. Nettles, again, a stick in the mud, a wet blanket. I a no, hated a, Nettles so much in this chapter note. and it made me like hate Nettle at the close of this book because of how she behaved. I'm just like, would you fucking stop already? I feel like Nettle was this, like, cool, badass, like, you know, teenager in the last trilogy. And in this trilogy, she's just become this kind of scold, this, like, judgmental. She's the antagonist. She's she's judgmental. And she has, like, these moments of clarity where she doesn't trust Rosemary or whatever. But then, like, no, she just becomes, like, a... I feel like Robin Hobb does women a little dirty a lot of times, though, in these books. Where it's, like... They could be a badass, but oh, hey, they got pregnant and like, meh, no, they suck. Right? <laughs> like, why really? Why isn't Nettle truly her father's daughter? Why didn't she become, like, Fitz 2.0? What was stopping her? I don't... Trauma. She had two badass dads and a badass mom. There's no reason that Nettle well, shouldn't be a badass. she's married a to a badass. Like, her partner's a yeah. pretty badass guy. Like, in a, his yeah. own subtle, suave, you know, cute way. Yeah. Riddle is perfect main character energy for any romance fantasy that I've ever read. Yeah, like maybe not classic fantasy MC because he doesn't have enough inner pain, but like romance <laughs> fantasy, he's definitely the main guy. 
I don't get it. Well, if you got to him after the forging incident, then he'd have There's a wolf yeah. on the cover. Oh, that's true. But that's the inner turmoil that the main character in the romance fantasy has to overcome in order to truly appreciate and love his badass like partner, right? Like, I'm deep in the genre. <laughs> but again, she fucking sucks. And I don't really understand what's going on with Nettle in this section, other than the fact that we're seeing her from B's point of view and she's much older and like much more cautious. And I don't know. I mean, I think it being from B's perspective is probably a lot of it because she's just not doing what she wants to do. Right. But, but also she's preventing the mission. She's preventing the so. mission that we know has to happen because there are only a few chapters left. <laughs> <laughs> like you are. It's like, Nettle, what are you doing? There's no time for this. Fitz wasted too much time in the first part of this trilogy so now we have to go fast it's also very much like we are really only getting to kind of like cross paths very brief briefly with the buckheap contingent like yeah you know lant and shine and and ketrican and spark and like all these people and thick it's like okay i want i want all these people to like be part of this mission obviously they're not all going to be part of the mission but I care about all these people, and I'm going to duct tape Joey to his chair. I'm closing the window. How can you hear me? I, I How can we hear you, it's Joey? So it's like somebody's hit, taking a wooden spoon to a pot and pan. If you mute, if you mute Audacity, he, we would still hear it. So maybe he muted Audacity. No, I muted. I muted my headset. Oh, I think I know what happened. <laughs> shouldn't be able to hear any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Continue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you just sit there? I had to close the window. Somebody could be breaking in right now, Rachel. Somebody might that? break in and push him out of his chair again. <laughs> yeah, I might get like skill stream ghosts pushed. Jesus Christ. Someone else talk. Uh so we read some chapters in uh chapter forty eight. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, all right, so wait, wait a second, wait a second. Oh my god, this thing's so long. <laughs> it is wait really long. I'm sorry, Jenny. <laughs> it's so long. It scrolls forever. Why is it? Why is it so long, Joey? Don't apologize for me. Don't do that. <laughs> it's as long as it needs to be. I'm expressing every thought that needed to happen there. Oh, I will. Right. I you will not what? be shamed. You know what? Just go. I don't know what I was supposed to say. It was going to be something really nice about saying goodbye to Buckheap, but we you should, were well. We you were saying that like that. all the characters from Buckheap were coming out and getting together, but then everybody's kind of abandoning ship. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what made me cry so much while I was reading it. Is just like you just get all these little hits of all these little reunions and all these characters coming back in. It's just like, oh no, it's the last time we're going to see them truth yeah it's sad it's you know the like places and it's even like the places of buck keep like the woman's garden the yeah. steams you know go it's like the greatest hits. yeah this the going into the steams the kitchen the great hall like all these places fitz's room my so like my view of it was kind of different though because to me it's like he wasn't there and i already knew he would he's on his death march 
And so to me, it's like the nostalgia of it wasn't there because I'm like, no, it's not the same, you know, cook isn't in the kitchen. Like cook, she died a while ago, you know, like he's not going mm-hmm. into the guards room I mean, to like eat his dinner, that kind of stuff where I was like, okay, like we're here, but like, let's get the fuck out and go and check on him. It's bittersweet because you're experiencing all through B, who is not like thrilled with yeah. anything, but it's still, I don't know, it still makes me, makes me. I mean, I think bittersweet it. is Robin Hobb's sweet spot. <laughs> like yeah. that is, that is like where she gets all her power. That's when she, that's when like the lightning strikes and her hair gets big and she goes super saiyan and she's like <laughs> writing at at her type. I assume it's a typewriter. I don't know what she's actually writing, <laughs> but. <laughs> By candlelight with a quill. and I was going to say, she's writing it by hand by firelight. <laughs> only when it rains. She, she burns she only it writes like when that, it's rainy and She writes outside. it. Her editors are like, please stop burning your writing. Yeah, it's like that, it's that perfect moment, you know, that like you discover when you're 11 and you read Romeo and Juliet for the first time where it's like, oh, that like that perfect tension between, you know, romance, happiness and just despair like that, that perfect clear moment that encapsulates being alive on this planet and that is where she thrives and that is that oh the passage of time and all that stuff she's just so good at it all right jenny now's your time for your all your penance i don't know what you did (laughs) this chapter 48 was written by joey <laughs> written by Joey did. and will be read by stumbled Jenny. over by stumbled over incoherently by me. <laughs> oh dear! All right, chapter forty-eight is called "Time." I like that you wrote Joey. I'm sorry, but really, it should be apologizing to me. <laughs> All right, this is thirteen hundred and sixty-six words brought to you by Joey. Oh, Read by always me. Long. <laughs> there is a cage made of crawling, squirming things. Inside is a thing who used to be a man. That man is Fitz. Bee's dream journal. Joey pays a compliment to himself. Uh, uh, you, have to <laughs> you have to read it. The rules say you have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> The rules are she had to read your chapter summary, and I don't think that's relevant. (laughs) (laughs) It's true and good. Okay, anyway. uh, A man in the wilderness can eat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Starting off straight. (laughs) We can get one sentence. It's not a a sentence. A man in the wilderness can eat much anything. (laughs) Just one. I'm not gonna be able to do it. Okay. I'm just gonna see if that's. <laughs> I'm trying not to, to laugh, but I can't stop. I'm so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Where was I? Just watch Survivor Man. A person whose name I don't know. Last Trout. <laughs> A. Okay. (laughs) 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 
worst thing to me. <laughs> I don't even know how Let's to say that. Let's Distillate. Distillate. Distillate of his own urine once he was once he was happy with the refreshing beverage that was once his pee. <laughs> Fitz is even more hardcore than the Canadian. Though that Canadian is pretty hardcore. Oh god, something about scorpions, but I can't read it because my eyes too much. Hold on. I cry more during this chapter than I did during the entire end of the book. Oh. <laughs> Alright. Fitz is sad that the spirit of Night Eyes has left him. He's spitting out blood and worms. It's pretty clear that he's chock full of worms. The less desirable candy bar, chock full of nuts. Worms suck, and despite how much Fitz thinks they're just pinworms, he's wrong as fuck, and the foreshadowing is pretty clear on this. I mean, dude's crying blood. What the fuck? Oh yeah, the messenger was crying blood too. This is a bad sign, y'all. <clears throat> Fitz's survivor man fishing and hunting skills are waning with his strength. Shit, it's time to start his dragon con build, <laughs> and it's already fucking July. It's July and he's done nothing in the way of stone prep. Uh, I don't know Jamie how to say Heineman. that name either. Jamie Heineman from Mythbusters said that the act of making something is to make something smaller in more precise ways. This is what the act of making a wolf-shaped skillstone dragon wolf is. <laughs> a lot of wolf dragons. Um, it is a subtractive process whereby the maker artist is carving away what is not desired and only the Fitz wolf remains. Fitz's silver hand strokes the stone, and immediately there's a wolf. Hunts shared killed dirt floored huts the best of times. <laughs> Fitz sulks at night eyes being absent, and so do we all, but we've grieved. Will we grieve again? Yes. Fitz is back at it, and so am I. Scuff, scuff, scuff. I sand, I die, I sand again. That's for Eric, who I don't know. Uh, <laughs> scruff, scruff, scruff. <laughs> More wolf. Fitz thinks he's having fever dreams, but no, it's friends. Nidus is back, and so too are our friends from Buckheap. The fool is first among them. No touchy. How did you do this to yourself, he asks. Exploding packs containing silver, but it's why you're seeing me. The hope of seeing B entered Fitz's mind, and she begins skilling strength to him inadvertently. No, you mustn't, B. Lance is there too, and he's horrified. The love it calls for tea with honey, smoked meats, and all that shit. Apricot brandy, though? Where's the fucking brandy? Uh, they sort the rest of the non-apricot brandy supplies and organize around Fitz dying. Motley is among them. Fitz, are you in pain, beloved wants to know? Um, yeah, being eaten alive by these parasitic worms. And finally, Kedrickin presents herself, though I forgot how to spell her name. Yes, you have. Um... Ketty is there and prevents herself to a dying silver wormy fits. Night Eyes is into it. <laughs> he did always ship them. Uh, B is set on returning Fitz to Buckkeep, and Fitz states the difficult, obvious truth. B, I'm not going home. I'm just, I'm going to finish here. This, the world is made of fucking tears. Fuck you, Robin Hobb. <laughs> Fitz drinks some tea that dulls the pain. Misspelled Ketrickin. You're getting closer. Uh, insists on returning Fitz to Buckheap, and he explains yet again that that ain't happening. Fitz puts more of the wolf's memories into the wolf golem, and then after looking upon Beloved and Caddy, acknowledges that we've been here before. Fitz has died like 12 times, so there's probably hope here, right? Right? 
Fitz explains the nature of their situation. He will do what we watched Verity do so many years ago. He will fade as he puts more of himself into the skill stone. He will fade. We will all fade. Fitz experiences time dilation as the all-consuming act consumes him. Still so much to go. <laughs> B has vellum and ink pot ready and explains that this is probably the only time that she will have to, the opportunity to record some of what would be remembered for B discerning. Tell me everything, she says. In parentheses, <laughs> dies. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Fitz starts at the beginning. Let me take you back to episode one. There was a boy named Fitz. He was a bastard, but the innocent kind. His father brought him to Buckheap Castle, Castle to be presented to King Shrewd. An old eccentric man in the walls visited him at night. He became an assassin. This is his story. Fitz is back at the wolf, carving away with his silver hand. He recalls when he flirted with this act as he gave his pain and memories to the stone dragon, girl on a dragon. Of course, this was before he recollected that pain and became a total human being again, only now to return back to the fucking stone. All the stories of Fitz's life together, now with night eyes, all into the stone. Others from Buckheap and the surrounding territories arrived at the settlement, night eyes to witness the morbid act of man becoming a stone dragon shaped like a wolf. Get the popcorn ready. It is determined by the healers of Buckheap among the, this company are unable to reverse the worm infestation. Even the best skill healers are unable to assist Fitz. Maybe ease his pain, but yes... Our boy is permadining. Some last minute herbs are offered to him. Carry me, etc. Fitz charges Nettle, Ketty, and Beloved with responsibilities pertaining to B. Teach her killing, swords, words, forgiveness. Teach her all. Ketty pins Fitz with a silver fox we've all forgotten about, but it's meaningful. Not quite. <laughs> um, Fitz addresses Nettle. <laughs> there is a sword for you in Hollywood. Uh... It is arranged that B accompany Ketty on her return to the Mountain Kingdom. Fitz's forgotten son, Hap Gladheart, is mentioned briefly, but only briefly. <laughs> 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 Beloved sits next to Fitz with B's dream journal shamelessly. Does she know you do that? Yep, she hates me. With <laughs> no irony in his face, he explains that she doesn't think he's the best person to be B's father. Fitz looks at B's stolen journal in his hands. What? No, you're a great father figure. Um, Beloved pressed his silver fingers to the stone wolf dragon. I give you this memory you probably didn't want. It's tragic. Uh, now Ketty's back and wants to put some minty bear grease to place on Fitz's worm sores. Uh, she explains why she cannot give her life to become part of Fitz's skill being. She regales him on their original meeting and how she came to kill the young assassin. Ketty promises to take B as her own despite Beloved claiming her. She explains she's visiting Verity's dragon and asks him not to die before she returns. Uh, in the morning, Beloved reveals to Fitz that there's a large collection of Fitz's death washers. They're interested in what the last moments of Fitz's life will look like, and we're all offended. We are given some more gruesome details about the state of Fitz's failing body. He gets back to work, acknowledging his failing humanity, as most of that humanity has already been poured into the Stone Wolf Dragon. Beloved asks if there's enough of him left to place into the stone wolf dragon, and Fitz just sort of shrugs. Beloved explains that B doesn't like him. Forget love. It hasn't happened yet. The estrangement is real and kind of shitty. Love takes years. 
Fitz explains, be patient. (laughs) (laughs) He spelled B-E-E. Fitz fixes a toenail in the stone wolf dragon. B asks how much of them is in the dragon, and Fitz says that Ratsy is in there. Audience swoons. I do like Ratsy. Will you remember me when you are Fitz's night-eyes dragon? Asks the fool. Yes, Fitz says. The fool, what are we? The final question to beloved. Catalyst and prophet... When we are mingled, one thing, whole, you, me, and Night Eyes, words don't reach that far. Sniff. Um, <laughs> how to know someone else so completely. How to describe. No limits. Again, in parentheses, yep, we're dead. Um, <laughs> this is about the time I was personally crying on a plane. Uh, <laughs> now Nettle be dutiful, his sons, Caddy, ranks of the curious. Time to die. Time to become Wolf Dragon. Fitz wishes the fool to join him, but has no way to express it. Oh, half is there. And <laughs> has implores Fitz to ask Beloved to join them. Stupid Fitz resists. How do you ask someone to die with you? He could not. Yay! Yay! You did it! I did it! You did it! I'm glad I muted myself because I laughed a good bit. <laughs> so I feel like, just because I, I feel like I speak Joey. That was Joey being really like pretty emotive, yeah. It was, yeah, really emotive <laughs> and really thoughtful about what was happening. So thank you, Joey. Yeah. Um, this is mm. yeah, this is the fucking horrible chapter. Like, thank you for this, Robin Hobb. You just decided to actually torture us in real time, yeah. word by word, page by page, worm, worm by worm. By worm. <laughs> um, I think you know, kind of starting where jenny left off i think it was really frustrating to read the like miscommunication of these two people who care deeply about one one another and fitz is like oh i can't really express it to him because i can't ask somebody to die for me and really the fool is just like waiting for him to ask him to die with him but like (laughs) i get it from fitz's perspective because i really don't think you can ask for somebody to die with you like you that's not something that's not a burden you can put upon another human but he was put in, like, a really tough position. But that said, like, Fitz has also been, like, a horrible communicator his entire life. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, fundamentally, yeah. again, the fool has told him, I place no limits on my love for you. And it is perfectly within his rights, from the fool's perspective, to say, I cannot go where you won't follow. But Fitz has always created a barrier. And he doesn't yeah. allow that last step to happen. And so this is him fighting that last mm-hmm. step. Um, it's also fucking torture that we have to see this from B's point of view instead of either of their point I know. of view. Like, oh my god. It's like yeah. you've spent 16 books in Fitz's mind and this this ultimate moment and you're not even seeing it from Fitz's point but of I view. But I think it's better that way because otherwise, like, really we would need to see it from both of their point of views and at least B is like a bystander watching it True. from the outside. I mean, I kind of get it because he's like forging himself and so he wouldn't be connected to what he's thinking in the sure, same yes. way so it would be kind of empty and yeah. sad anyway but think what I if think... robin hobb had given us one chapter from the fi- from the fool's point of view <laughs> what if <laughs> you would have spontaneously what if you turned that be here what today? if you turned that page and this chapter was from the fool's point of view i mean uh... if i only could make a deal <laughs> make a deal <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly that, Alyssa. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're gonna love the. You're gonna love reading my chapter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I. It's just it's fucking torture. Also, uh, I have this personal rule that everything's better with a worm in it, but this is my one exception. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's pretty just, gross. Yeah. The worms here, the worms here disgusting. fucking suck. <laughs> uh, they're not fun. They're not big. Not great. They're not big. They're not, you can't ride they're them. They're not big. <laughs> you can't ride these worms. <laughs> they're not big enough to take uh, you out in one fell swoop, and you can't ride them. That's right. That's right, listeners. You can watch Tremors on Hulu if you want. <laughs> it's there. Uh, it was used to be on Netflix. Now it's on Hulu. I will always update you on where you can find that. Or you could just uh, buy it and make sure you're still funding all of those amazing actors. DVDs. Divide. 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 Uh, it's it's a great movie. It's perfect. Anyway, uh, okay. Tiny worms. Tiny worms. And pu- and, oh, pustules, and pustules, which so were not as mentioned as. Often I, as I love that <laughs> Teddy is like, yeah, you got funky worms. Yeah, I'ma kiss your fucking face. <laughs> she just gets up oh. in it. She's just like, just touching. I mean, that's the ultimate. I mean, Ketrickin is like a but, uh, a saint. She like, is. like an actual saint figure. Like, and like, she was she having a moment no... of like, what? What would it have been like? What could have been? Yeah. Like, we probably should what have bound. Is this the chapter where she talks about we having like when we have more grandchildren or something? Huh? Oh, does she say we? About... I think she does. She does say we, and I was like, oh, oh, we're going. And I'm like, oh, okay. we're suitable. Is he there? Can he hear this? Is he? What's he doing? <laughs> oh, I don't think I caught yeah. that when I was reading. I'm not like a detailed reader, you guys. She, yeah and i think like also but like she is like you can see that ketrican may end up having more influence directly over the people of this world than like than fitz like fitz obviously did a lot of things that will impact these people but they won't know him ketrican will be a figure there will be statues of her she is she is sacrificed she should have statues exactly yeah she is merciful i mean ketrican is the type of person that would make sure there was a fit statue right but But it'll be like the statue that no one understands (laughs) they'll be like who's this guy who knows (laughs) hey he was a ship for a while (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's got he was names, a folk so. hero he lived in the woods is, is that he raised the minstrels bastard? he aged really well the boogeyman well. <laughs> and his blue ox babe <laughs> he'll just be like that's lord feldspar why isn't he <laughs> lord feldspar he planted buttons all over buckheap sometimes if you dig into the dirt you can find a random button you just changed the lyrics of tuppence to buttons <laughs> <laughs> oh he pigeons land on his statue they love him you offer a, a button to a pigeon and they'll take a letter for Aww, you it's poor bob <laughs> um yeah so uh, again it's 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 <sighs> I can't believe this is the end. Like, again, this was all foreshadowed, but it's also, it echoes, like, real life ideas of, like, if you're in the hospital and you're dying, you're in hospice and your family comes to sit vigil with you. And, like, you know, like, and I've, I've, I've been through that on the vigil side and it is, it's awful and horrible, but there is literally nothing you can do, right? You can't fight time. And, and I feel like Robin Hobb is, is working through that fundamental human experience in this chapter in a really horrible wormy way but you know 
it's 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 universal and very specific to this this character which i don't know it's this is it's heartbreaking it's horrible i need therapy (laughs) (laughs) we went to worm fest yeah it's like all i want is for all i want is night eyes to talk i don't want anyone else to talk like it doesn't i'm waiting for the magic to happen for the you know the deus ex machina like i just want this to be like a brandon sanderson novel it's like can we just change for a second <laughs> dang no, it's boring yeah too. i would yeah we can't <laughs> this is this has been 16 books of these characters like we gotta we can't be deus ex machina we gotta let it no but wouldn't it be great if they just ascended and it's like you know oh Robin i mean they Hob, kind what of are you doing? did kind of do <laughs> i mean i guess they kind yeah. of did you're right they kind of did they, they don't just like go into the run. never like they 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 get to exist in the skill yeah and uh, you know this chapter is again very grounded in the physical horrible yeah. like feelings of being alive on on you know, on the on the planet right of having a body of being a physical tether and then i feel like the next chapter is about moving beyond that in like a really metaphysical sense in like you know if you're thinking about her writing this as like an epic um you know yeah, unless we, you're we, purr or bird right yeah right yeah um we can move on to chapter 49 because we still have two chapters to go <laughs> last one yeah, this last one is written by me and will be read by Alyssa. Not performed by. Okay, gotcha. Performed by. Yeah, right. Performed. <laughs> also, you have a I'll musical cue. Oh you no. Do mus- you do have a musical cue, but you can just pause and I will play it. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Is I don't it well, need Ashley is it on well standby. Do I, can I? Maybe, yes. maybe. Okay. <clears throat> it's denoted. Okay, this is a, a collaborative effort then. Um, <laughs> the introduction to this chapter is a oh, personal. It's called Lies oh, and right. The title Jesus and the Alyssa, you know. I haven't geez. been doing this this long. Right? Yeah. No, I've had one glass of vodka Sloppy. in the meantime, Sloppy. and it's yeah. I should. I need to be better. Don't fall out of your chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. The introduction to this chapter is a personal diary entry from B who writes about how her father doesn't want to talk about anything too personal in his life, but will talk endlessly about Beloved. (laughs) B is telling herself that Fitz is spending his efforts of talking of his ridiculous best good friend and not the more meaningful times in his life. Weird. So weird that he is agonizing over their connection, their purpose, what exactly Beloved, his Beloved, wanted and still wants from him. So weird, B. B and Nettle are sitting vigil with Fitz, who is draped on his stone wolf like your favorite shirts on a bedroom chair. Neither clean nor dirty, except this Fitz is really dirty. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? (laughs) You know, it's the in-between place. You move it from the bed to the the chair and then back to the bed. And you're sleeping and yeah. Then you're like, I don't know if it's clean or it's dirty, so I'm just going to put it back in the wash and the cycle starts over. Yep. The wash cycle, if you will. As Hob is careful to describe, quote, he looked terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Effluvium, silver skin, crusty blood. It's not just textures, it smells. They erect a little tent over him. He is the worst attraction at Roteland. (laughs) (laughs) 
They should leave, says B to Nettle. Everyone is sitting around Fitz like he's the finale of Stranger Things, which I haven't seen yet. They can't look <laughs> away. And instead of Kate Bush, it's Little Lies by Fleetwood oh. Mac playing off in the distance. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Such a good song. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Did I mention the squelching? The crusty smells? Are you really picturing this? How fucking weird is it that everyone has arrived in these last few pages to sit around and watch the MC expire? Go home to your baby, Spitz B. <laughs> <laughs> Nettle sighs. Look, this is all terrible and none of us want to be here, but I'm not Robin Hobb, okay? You need to keep your main character energy down or she's going to notice you again and you'll be in trouble. Consider becoming a background character. Sure, says B. <laughs> I tried to pronounce the capital one. Lying. <clears throat> One night after Fitz still has not died, everyone is sitting around the fire and Purr asks if they could help him somehow, like if they could all put their own memories into the stone wolf. Quote, I will give you my mother forgetting me. I don't need that memory. Yes, please. Fill this precious stone wolf up with all your trash <laughs> memories, Purr. This is what we need. I don't think anything happened, says Purr, the one person here without magic. <laughs> Nettle gets up and decides it's not a terrible idea, and because she's a much better character than she was given chance and opportunity for instead of garbage, she, she says, quote, Dream Wolf, take something sweet from my memories of you. Then Lant, who gives him the memory of being stripped naked and threatened with death in Fitz's hand. Cool. Spark isn't able to summon any memories at all. And Ketrickin says she already did it. Doodleful gives another shitty memory of Fitz. And then Hap is all, I need my memories to make songs. And he let me sleep in a shack. And I don't know, is this actually helping at all? <laughs> Rachel, this is so good. <laughs> <laughs> the fool, B notices, does not offer up any memories. He is broken, a sad man, a jester, a fool sitting in the dirt. <laughs> boo boo the fool. <laughs> B is fiercely judging her family, who has failed Fitz at this critical moment when he has never failed them in other critical moments. <laughs> She pretends to sleep near the wolf, and when everyone has dispersed for the night, she makes her move. But just as she is going to put her hand on the stone wolf, the fool speaks. B, don't do it. You know I can't allow it. Someone has to. He is holding on experiencing the pain so he has more stuff to put in the wolf. And the fool says, in what Rachel imagines, is a tired and defeated voice. <laughs> He would not want you to. 
Why don't you go then, snaps B. A challenge. Yes, B. Fool has been benched these last several chapters. What the fuck is going on? Come on, Hob. The Kindle says 99%. What's happening? But instead of the fool giving some paltry excuse, he says, quote, a black and white rat that runs away from him. His final letter wishing I'd never come back. If he ever wanted vengeance on me for all I did, he has it now. Now I know how it feels to be left behind as I left him. Bee's lies. Her sweet little lies. <laughs> Pause for musical Thank God. Uh, that song is a good karaoke song. I don't know if you guys have ever done it, it but it's, it's a, a great fucking one. good one. Good. <laughs> yes, bees lies. What will she do? Will she tell the truth? First, she tries the fool's own tactics. Quote, never do a thing until you consider well what you can't do once you've done it. But this only serves to use this statement to prove to himself that this is the way of it. He was the prophet who bent his catalyst to his will and will now suffer for those abuses. You are so stupid, says B. Let it be known that I read this part out loud to myself and cried through the entire rest of the exchange because holy crap, it's so good. That is an editor's note. (laughs) (laughs) I lied, says B. She admits it. Character growth at a critical juncture. But will it be enough to lock the ending? Screams the announcer. And I screamed, screams the announcer. I'm, I'm, I, I beefed that. I apologize. <laughs> As if he hadn't always known he was loved the best. That he was the beloved, says B, whose name is also that. That, quote, he loved you more than he ever loved any of the rest of us. And I like less than half as you have as well as you deserve. <laughs> B, a true farseer, causes a huge scene then, yelling that Fitz doesn't want her, never did. He wants the fool, his beloved. Go now. Everyone is standing around observing. It feels like a final reveal. And then Fitz lays out his hand, bloody palm up, and whispers, Beloved. <laughs> and so the fool stands. Shresh. No, I thought that said shredding. I was like, whoa. <laughs> he rips the blanket clean in, in twain. His gloves ripped as well. His self-doubt, just several pieces. He settles against the wolf, hand in hand with Fitz, foreheads touching, and they disappear into the stone wolf. And ending both telegraph from the very first trilogy and yet still shockingly final with both their lives and night eyes in the stone wolf it comes to vivid life a giant wolfy dragon thing and he looks at b and says in kevin costner's voice (laughs) oh i can't do this and kevin costner's voice can anyone do this (laughs) those were astounding lies You gotta go deep in monotone. I can't. Uh, like Mulder. 
I can't. Those were astounding lies. I just slip into Sean Bean. And the the very last one, the most inspired of all. The giant stone wolf, the wolf of the West, flashes a wolfy grin and trots off into the night. He did it, shouts Dutiful. Hap is singing. Nettle is crying. You're crying. We're all crying. We're all closing this chapter and booking an emergency therapy appointment and billing it to Robin freaking Hog. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, that Very was good. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So I have, I'm going to just open this up with a controversial opinion slash mm. statement. Did I cry during this chapter? Yes. I cried significantly more when Night Eyes died. Oh, really? Yes. And I know we were kind of like in our group text thread, we were talking about like, oh, the sadness and the crying and everything. But the reason I have identified for why I cried so like intensely when Night Eyes died versus this one is because Night Eyes was all alone. And in this one, they all... Was it? Yeah, but like... Him at the time? But he still he, went... He said, I'm going to go off alone. Yeah. yeah. And in this one, they all yeah. got to go together. So... They didn't go anywhere. They became one big dragon. Right. But it's like... So... To me, it was kind of like the... The unknown. Like, when Night Eyes died, we didn't know that he was going to be able to, like... You know, be a fucking... We didn't know that Robin Hobb was going to realize that she yeah, still Yeah, we didn't know he was going to be like a symbiotic <laughs> relationship like those little fucking sucker fish on a shark, you know? Like, like, <laughs> like oh wait, the We didn't know it was going to be a ride-along, so it's like when Night Eyes died, I was like, oh shit, like Fitz is completely alone now, and Night Eyes is totally alone. So that one was much more challenging for me to get past. Yeah. For me, it was... It was B for uh, this is going to be hard for me to articulate. It it was when B said, you are so stupid. <laughs> the fact that like a little girl <laughs> was able to read the situation and had to explain it to him so that he would finally admit it to himself. Not that he didn't understand what was happening, but because he just refused to admit it to himself, even when it didn't matter anymore, even when everyone he knew was looking at him covered in worms shitting himself <laughs> like you know like he there was he had no dignity or privacy left and he was still would not admit to himself uh, the simple fact of the person that he loved well and, and none of the other grown-ups in the room really had the intel quite as much but i'll also say like that's kids in general like kids in real life yeah fucking are so in tune with emotions and they see all of that shit and they're very candid about it and so it's like I thought it was... And they don't know that... They don't have any of the shame built right. up. So for her, it was like, you're so fucking they just, stupid. They spit like, straight facts and they're just like, no, it is what yeah. it is. Like, there's no questioning it or anything. And B played that well. And I... The fact that, like, the fool also is sitting there dejected, rejected, thinking that his story's over and that he's just going to sit there and watch his soulmate die horribly... And suffer, and there's nothing he can do 
to help or do anything. I, I just that whole thing is what made me cry. It wasn't necessarily the fact that they were dying. It was those emotions in that moment that and that they had to be explained by B, who should not have had to do right. that. Well, but well. like none like, of the kids in these books should have had to do any of the shit that they had to do. And they no, kids, any of the things. So. But like they need a translator yeah. because they, they need they a they need a the couples therapist for sure. <laughs> For well, sure. And also and... what also is hanging over this whole thing is that all B wants is her father. Yeah. All she wants is to go back to Withywoods and be with her father. It is what got her through all of the shit. You know, like when she finally admitted, I think, you know, like, is my father going to come for me? And he promised her that he was going to be there for her. And he is failing. And he's leaving her. And not only is he leaving her... Her other pseudo father all, is also well, but like she, I don't think she gives a blip about that. No, I get that, <laughs> but like in reality, this is her becoming an orphan, yeah. and like that also really got well. Me. And the fact that like technically she could have already and still could like just run up to that fucking thing and be like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm not gonna let you abandon I'm me gone. again, and she could have yeah. gone with them. And whether he liked it or not doesn't really fucking matter because he couldn't say no. But she didn't. But and she told the fool to stop fucking putzing around and to like get up in it. Right, because again, the fool is words and Fitz is actions. And the fool needed words in that moment and Fitz needed actions and they were just staring at each other over <laughs> an abyss. <laughs> and it's just it's so funny to me because it's so real and like how you just can't admit those things to yourself. You can't like be what is, what's the phrase like the the mortification of being known. It's like they just couldn't admit it to themselves. It's like they could dance around it. They could joke about it. They could do all those things. And like, you know, the fool could kind of touch on it and be like, there's no limits on my love and blah, 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 blah. But uh, when it when when she hit the fan, it was like, we're just going to stare at each other across this fire until it's too late. And that's what we choose. And they needed a little, you know, 10 year old kid to be like, are you guys fucking dumb? <laughs> and yes. that yeah. I don't know. I just remember reading it to myself and I was reading that whole chapter like out loud to myself kind of like under my breath and I just got to the point where she said you are so stupid and I I I I hit it and I was just sobbing immediately. I was like you are so stupid. <laughs> and I just like couldn't it was just the emotions that were just in me and I was like man, oh my god, like Robin Hobb, like I wish more people I know that these are very popular books, as our listeners know. There's hundreds and thousands of them. Thank you also for getting us to 100,000. But, like, more people, millions, hundreds of millions, everyone, make this the new fucking HBO show. Everyone needs to experience this relationship because it's fucking pure and good. And uh, I'm just really... We'll rip your we'll heart just, out. Yeah. Stop, stop, stop your heart to fucking death. And like, that's it. That's it. That's all we ever wanted. Right. And when we talk about romantic stories, this is everything we want. This is everything we want. And the fact that she kept that like final admission to the very last bitter second. Yeah. Uh, chef, you know, chef's kiss. I think this was the part that I really wish was from Fitz's perspective. The part where they come together and I know it would have been going, not gay, not gay. It's not yeah. gay. It's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> no homo. It's fine. It's fine. No homo. That's any other man would do. It would have been 
a lot more moving to see it from Fitz's perspective for sure. Yeah. I think I do think it's funny that like you know, all three of them go into this wolf, but like Night Eyes is the one that speaks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're too busy becoming one again. They're out like, they're oh, like I'm, fucking the they're so one. deep in a fucking makeout session as ghosts <laughs> that like they can't possibly address anybody else in the room. I think this Night Eyes is just like, thanks for making us. Night Eyes is like, hey, you know what? I have been the fucking sidekick for sixteen books. It's my time to shine. This is it. You know, I'm the hero now. Everybody else is my battery. Yeah. This is my dragon. <laughs> um, it did, did just make me think though, I think it was in Joey's chapter where he's like, Where's the apricot brandy? How did we not get a callback of apricot brandy in these last chapters? I mean, really. Like somebody should have pulled it out. To take the chill off at least. Yeah. Yeah, like what why wouldn't Hap have that? Oh, we I yeah. grew up with this. We yeah. always have Right? Like, like well, this is a bottle. You're useless, from when... Hap. You're useless, fuck you. <laughs> he was too busy writing songs. Ugh, I don't know. Tough. I like Hap. I don't think he's as useless as Joey does. I every time Hap is there, <laughs> I just, think oh, it's an honorable mention know. though. It's I've like not mad. really seen his musical qualifications, and I just think not greatly he's of Gladheart. He's known throughout the realm. I know. But I just don't really think very highly of minstrels in general. They all just seem like <gasps> horny attention whores. <laughs> At least Starling wasn't there. You hate Starling and Starling talking. Wouldn't have been so fucking horrible if Starling was there? <laughs> I would have riot. Hi. What would she do? She'd bring up, like, you remember that one time we, we had sex down here? She'd be like, I'm going to put the memory of all the times we had sex into the stone dragon. I think you, you remember should, that time we boned like, and I was a bitch about it. He brought it up yeah. when he went to the stream to fish. She's like, oh yeah, remember this She's time? torturing the fool the whole time. She's like, Fitz, do you want me to go with you? Are yeah. you pining? Are you waiting for me? Fool, what are you? What are you, fool? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a turf. I'm a turf, fool. Yeah. Whatever happened to Gemma? She's, Gemma didn't even get a reprise. Jenna. Jenna's dead. We killed her. Her cat yeah. ate her. Jenna is probably animal supremacy. Where's her cat? Thriving. Living the good life yeah. in that You're college. So, but Hap is one of those characters that, like, it. he was so important for a book. And then it's like, he. I mean, he was his adopted son. And it's just like, he's just sort of like, well, I'm a minstrel now. Fuck that guy. It was, looking it was back weird. at, like, the grand scale of things, it was a super bizarre thread of the story to be like yeah and like he's a foster dad kind of barely well i think that if you look at each part of the if you look at each trilogy right the first trilogy is the pain of adolescence right yeah first love all that the second trilogy is the existential longing of a person in middle age what drives you to procreate all the shit that i don't understand but it's there <laughs> The final trilogy is the coming to terms with death and time and entropy and all that stuff and failure and all, you know, all that. So, like, I feel like Hap represented the part of Fitz's life that he was missing out on by removing himself from But missing his out family. on is kind of... Being mean. a father. Okay, so we're looking on. at... 
we're looking at heteronormative, breeder-friendly. This is, a, this is like, an interesting paucity to <laughs> be talking friendly. about, like the quote-unquote normal behavior of a person in their right. Mid-30s. Well, I'm looking. At, I'm trying to. I'm trying to see it from the point of view of the author, right? I'm yeah. not trying to like push my own preconceived. Not notions. from a podcast full of people who <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> no one's married. Nobody has babies. <laughs> somebody, somebody, get Elena back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we should ask her about it. But it's it's. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't feel this drive, but I think, you know, if from like a Batman perspective, a ward is cool. Wards are cool. Yeah, Robin was <laughs> really know? important to Batman. And Hap yeah. was just, Hap just was like, all right, thanks. I do. Yeah, you can stick them in a corner and like have a wolf feed them and they'll be fine. I think that there maybe needed to be <laughs> one scene of Fitz teaching Hap anything at all how to survive, <laughs> how to middle, how to manage his money. Yeah, like fishing, something, so that we could see yeah. that like fatherly. But Help I think also maybe she, work. she, she didn't did that, do it. Put it in the beat. It would have been, but that's the thing is she didn't do it because it would have been a thing he was doing for a child that came to his doorstep. Whatever. Not, Nettle got fucked. Channel. Dutiful, like, understandably got fucked. got fucked. Hap got super fucked, and then B is just like, oh, the holy one. It's a little offensive. Just saying. But B is still an orphan. B is still an orphan. B B doesn't even have a mother. Nettle had a mother. Hap's got shit. Hap's got music. That's what Hap has. I think she has much more in common with Hap. She has much more in common with Hap than her other siblings. Yeah. So I want the adventures of Hap Hap just because Hap didn't get any any. That is not a story I give a fuck. It's okay. We're (laughs) fundamental. I have problems with the 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 way that Hap was sort of written, but you fundamentally just don't like Hap. I just don't like minstrels. Min- and half is a minstrel. Yeah, I feel like. But I just a... feel like Hap could have been so much more interesting and 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 have a, a purpose. Hap but... wanted to go to Hollywood and be somebody, and I'm just like, eh, you're like a D-list celebrity. They just there's so so many like like castoffs from from Fitz's life that are just well, like I mean, flung like, out into if... fucking obscurity. Like, he could have gone on, like, the whole, you know, journey to Asheville or something if he, you know, like, write a song about it or something. Yeah. I mean, all but the characters that we wish that were there, besides Ketrickin, like, we wanted Birch there. We wanted Shade there. Those characters are gone. They're dead. So we're, we're seeing their, like... Patience. Patience. We're seeing, like, all these second-gen characters that, like, didn't get as much, nearly as much... Did Thick even yeah. make it to his deathbed? I don't no, even think he was. Thick he wasn't even fucking there. I thought, yeah, I thought that was pretty wild. That, that was Thick rude. Was just like, yeah, I'm in my room petting my cat, eating cakes. Like, she, I, she, it's like we got to this series, this trilogy, and she's like, oh yeah, that was for an old trilogy. Fuck that trilogy. No, we don't care about that. It makes me happy to know that Thick is going to be there for B for sure. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Was it? Was it the? It was it Nettles daughter that he asked the thick to be grandfather to or something yes. for him. So now he's just kind of being father to be instead. Yeah, Hope. Who is 100% either going to be a complete hellion or super dumb. <laughs> we'll see. Dutiful also, you know. Also, with it. got fucked. What? 
But, you know, he was never going to be interesting. I don't feel like he... He just wasn't. Like, he, he wasn't set up that way. It, but it's weird. I mean, it's like they're off this... It's like they were they were guests, guest, you know, guest appearances only. They yes, didn't this, get any this lines. This felt like a very special episode that was like two and a half hours long. <laughs> knowing No shade to Stranger Things. It's like, oh, uh, it's Qui-Gon, great. <laughs> like, I, am, I am totally okay with there being less interesting characters or characters that didn't get much screen time. I think it pads out a story and makes it feel more realistic. Yeah, I agree with I that. Agree. But th- that's how, that's wait, how your well, life's well, right? well, you, you have close friends, you have acquaintances. You have people that you were close to and then you were just like, oh, I don't care about them anymore, but, but they're here. It's not, but it's not about that, Joey. It's not about your perception of that person. It's about that they're, person's perception right. of you. Exactly. And Hap... Maybe our perception of Hap, because it's from Fitz's point of view, is this transient character. But from Hap's point of view, Fitz was his father. And we didn't get a lick of that. We didn't get a fucking lick of that, is my point. Y'all can all be wrong. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he he is. Well, but like, we didn't get a lot from any of the characters because B's the one telling the story. And to her, they're just kind of people that knew her father, but not, she doesn't fully understand the relationships that he had with them or the <gasps> yeah and, and did, yes. did Fitz also have visions of the wolf of the west or was it just B I think it was just B it just B. B yeah I mean it was telegraphed this was something that we knew was going to happen and I think it was really the only option this yeah. was the only ending that I think that the fans would have accepted for sure it makes sense and it's Except for that ending where Fitz and the Fool admit their love to each other. And right, where she writes an AO3 sex scene that's like 47 pages. <laughs> no, what? No, no, no sex scene. <laughs> they just ride off into the sunset with B. With B. And Purr oh, yeah. and, you know. And Hap. And, and, and Hap. And Ketrick. And everybody. And everybody every comes back. Just go on one more adventure <laughs> where nobody dies. Shades All right. Um, let Joey take us into our final chapter of the right. realm of the elderlings. This... Chapter fifty was written by Eli and read by Joey. Read, read by me, and it is it is very brief. There were no epilogues, thankfully, in this book. No, Robin Hobb did it correctly. Yep. No fucking epilogues. Fuck around with that shit like other people. Shut it down. No. I mean, it's basically yeah, it an epilogue. It's not though. It's called Chapter Fifty. <laughs> chapter the fucking mountains. fifty. The intro to this final chapter is Fitz reflecting on how on how <laughs> changes. It could have been changes. changes. Part twenty <laughs> on how temporary people and their actions are. People die and memories fade, but stone endures. My friends, we've come to the end in proper Hob fashion. The book drips with details until the finale, and then gallops through the epilogue, leaving <laughs> that is not an epilogue, leaving only scraps to hint at what the future will bring. Our party is departing the quarry. Nettle and the coterie are off to shred their way through a skill pillar, while the rest meander down the skill road to the Mountain Kingdom. Hap has already started writing his ode to Fitz. While they travel and Motley perches on his shoulder, occasionally trying to snatch an earring. B notices the whispers of the black stone they travel upon. Before long, though, something spooks Purr, and he urges everyone to be careful. There's something stalking us off to the side of the road, moving through the forest. And at this, Ketrican smiles. And they are eaten. <laughs> 
I do like that it's setting up this idea that B is going to the Mountain Kingdom. That like she may be going to live the life that Fitz missed out on. Yeah. I think I feel like she would like the Mountain yeah, Kingdom. Yeah. I think it's yeah. nice. So what's uh this this Fitz Wolf Dragon thing gonna do? Like what's Well, I feel when Edner when Ever a new stone dragon is first created, they get to go on like a rumspringer kind of jaunt thing, and then he'll just go and go to sleep in the garden with the rest. Well, of what's them. his mission? He doesn't have there any like a, people to kill. There was a, a prophecy about the wolf of the west coming to people's aid or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there's some robbers in the forest. Do you, think do you think he has to go back to the those specific gardens, or do you think he can just like chill out? In the I think they all have to go back to start. I think that's like that's that is where you start. But I I would like to think that Fitz it's special and the fool the fact that there this is also wit that like that night eyes is it's in there. Wit, it's 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 profit. Well, we don't we it's, don't know that other dragons. Maybe he doesn't wit. sleep. Yeah, can he wake himself Maybe he up? He can wake himself up. Maybe he. Also, I like that that there was that like intro passage or something, or or maybe it's just Nettle talking about how like no one knows how Fitz brought the dragons to life. It's like, did he not tell anybody, or did they just not so understand? No, I don't know. I feel so, like it should have been written down somewhere. I'm sure he told Shade, but Shade probably <laughs> like dead. wrote it on his butt or something. Like, I've got a I've got a, a rules it into question. A <laughs> so. We know that the stone dragons, when they were, like, eating people or whatever, they were making them poof away. Yeah. Yes. And I wonder if they, like, get a recharge from doing that. So if you just run around and get enough, like, deer or whatever, you just keep going. So Night Eyes is in there stalking porcupines. He's just fueled by porcupines. But then it just becomes mostly porcupines and it dilutes the fits and beloved and <laughs> it's just, it just turns into a fucking porcupine. It's just a porcupine. It starts sprouting quills and everyone's confused. <laughs> oh, we're ruining the end of it. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be us if we didn't make jokes. Again. It's mostly porcupine. This is go. This isn't going according to plan. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, the romantic idea is that he's out there somewhere and that people could encounter him and like. He's friends with Hebe. And... He's friends with Hebe and Motley. That's right. That's the, and that's the other ending. And Mo- Motley's the connection with the dragons, and like Motley's con- the connection with B, and that she can go back and forth and. That B will be able to access this this stone dragon whenever she wants. B will um, ride uh, one of the paragon dragons. Do you think that the dragons appreciate that he didn't make a dragon? Yeah. I mean, there's one guy there's made that a boar, one like so. horned pig or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, they all had wings. Does this wolf yeah. have wings? I don't think he can fly. No. I think he's strictly he's, strictly he's a local a entity. Or, yeah. He's, He's a, a land dragon. Yeah. Had enough of that thing. Sky maybe shit. Tarman. Maybe Tarman's. Oh, you know this. I would like to see big lizard. <laughs> the adventures of Night Eye, Night Eyes, Night Eyes, Fitz Wolf. I mean, this is what he wanted, right? He want him and not, he. That's kind of like what he always thought. Oh, I just want to like wander around the world, Night Eyes, and like explore and like do stuff. And and if the fool's there to smooch me, I and I don't have to admit it to myself, then. <laughs> That'd be cool too. They're just I think they're just the same now. They've become they've assimilated. 
That's what they've always wanted, though. Yeah, it's, an, no, it's no no plumbing necessary. Exactly. Just all the particles of their souls swirling around swirling each other. Around. Uh, I mean, it's nice. It's nice to think that... I think she also kind of left it open-ended if she ever decided to do a book about B or a trilogy about B. She could do that. We've got Pear. We know that maybe she would interact with the stone wolf and... Yeah, I don't know. Ride around. I mean, in that if she fucker. ever writes a B trilogy, like she's definitely going to be interacting with the wolf. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like around helping her briefly, and then at some critical point, she has to ride it into battle. And then <laughs> that's the. Well, you know, at some point, she's going to need Night Eyes' advice. So. Right. He gives the best advice. It's going to be about like how the dragons are actually a problem now, and now we need to like rebalance that <laughs> shit. Destroy we gotta go, them. <laughs> go back to Claris and like get the white prophets back, and like what's Prill Cop doing, and how do we? It's going to be stone dragons versus real dragons. Yeah, it's going to be like, stone dragons. Tintaglia has been the total bia, just fucking shit up everywhere, and she's got all the dragons involved, and she's Tarman bred a has lot. To choose sides. Tarman's got to pick a side, and it's just gotten. Tarman's just turned into a giant Galadar. Yeah. He, oh, that'd be cool if he was just a big, gigantic, like, hook style. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> there's, come on, there's more books to be had. There are. I hope she writes more, but she keeps writing as Megan Lindholm, and that's no good for us. Um, <laughs> unless she writes in this universe as Megan Lindholm, and then I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> um... I'm just gonna sc I'm gonna scan over the every episode prompts. We are pack character introductions and exits. Goodbye, Fitz. Goodbye, Fool. <laughs> Good. Hello, Wolf of the West. Um, Goodbye, everybody. Assists. I guess. Goodbye, everybody. Really, like it's yeah. over. Um, but I like that Ketrikin is there to guide B into becoming the best version of herself and. Uh, that she just takes over because she's like, wow, these people are Yeah, useless. basically. Like, I'm glad that Nettle's not going to be her guardian. It's going to... It seems better that it's... Also, her. I want to clarify from Joey's chapter <laughs> that Fitz still had the pin... Oh, he, ha he had on it on his already. shirt. Okay. Yeah. And Thank you. He gave, he it, gave to... it to... Katrikin to give to Purr to pledge him forever. Oh, yeah. That's better than what I thought. <laughs> Animal assist, I think we can go to Motley and uh, Night Eyes in sort of a sense. Um, fashions from Jamelia, nobody was wearing anything good. I think Fitz got a but Fitz got buttons. a new shirt, didn't he? Like he was. I, he true. got like bathed. He got yeah, like a sponge got, like, clean. The, uh... I think they gave him there one was last one, new shirt yeah. for him to ruin. There yeah. was one last new shirt. Yeah, totally. For, yeah, sure watches. he was like, you know, wormy and shit. It was great. I like um, roll the maps. Where are we? How did we get here? We're we in, the in the quarry. We're in the quarry. The the worst place ever in the realm of the elderlings, and yet the place we go to the most often. Um, <laughs> it's it's a big hole in the ground. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. There's rocks. Fitz misery has a moment. The return of does Fitz suck? I don't think he sucked in this. I don't, I don't think, think so. He... 
He had no agency in this whole <laughs> No, thing. and again, like, I, mean, I don't like, hold it against him for not, not effectively communicating his needs and wants to the fool because it was a very no, tough position alive. to be in. Yeah. And yeah. You can't ask people to die for you. You just can't. That's, exactly. That's not, that's not, it's, it's more taboo. romantic that the fool offered. Yes. Honestly. Well, so. did he offer so much as he was just like, oh my God. And just like. <laughs> I know it happens so fast. Yeah, he just like slammed. He's like, oh, I'm getting out of being her father. Great. I recall that, down and that I recall that chapter being a hundred times longer than it actually was the second time I read it. And I remember being like, oh my god, this is going by so fast. Why are my memories of this so elongated? And I think it's because I would read Drama. like a sentence and then have to like pace my apartment and then go back and read another <laughs> sentence and then pace my apartment. Uh. Uh, buzzwords how's b doing the prophecy scorecard i mean all you know? the prophecies i yeah i think she busted it open really i think that now she's on the golden path she's created an God, she's out and... from under nettle's thumb which is the only thing that matters Ketty was yeah. like yo <laughs> like we can't be doing that <laughs> like... i also like that even though she's young she has not yet decided on what her future will be what she's going to steer she's the a child she doesn't need to the fool had already decided by this point what he was going to yeah. do so I think but this the is fool nice. was not also a catalyst, so it's true. She needs to be careful. I have another issue with Nettle when, like, when B was talking about was she talking about the horse or no? She was talking. I don't forget what she was talking about. And Nettle was like, "Are you witty? Oh yeah, oh, judging what like, she was a bear, Nettle, right? Come I know. On. It's gross. like I think she... it's like your king is with it. Like <laughs> your father. I feel like that was just jealousy, honestly. That was jealousy on Nettle's part. Yeah, I guess. Uh. <laughs> And, and we have a final category called special acknowledgement. Ask Joey. Joey, what is the special acknowledgement? So I just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that this podcast would have not existed without one person. And uh, I, since I have the pleasure of living with this person, I, <laughs> I can say that for every episode... The pleasure. <laughs> I can say that for every episode that you, the listeners, listen to, there are countless thankless hours that go into yes. the production of this podcast. An ungodly number of hours. And that this And we all appreciate And that this person is of course, of course, Rachel. Um so I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that we're all here together, uh, after 112 episodes because of her initiative, effort, and sheer stick to itiveness. And Did that, you write something? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. That's so sweet. Thank you. Uh, well, that it would, I, yes, that it would take to make this podcast happen. You're welcome. And thank you all for agreeing to do it and keeping up with it. I know scheduling has been really difficult, and I know 16 books and a bunch of short stories has been long three years, but... Uh, I like that I was only going to read the first yes. book. Yes, honestly, yes, like were. it hasn't felt. <laughs> and we roped Alyssa into far more books than uh, she. Yeah, did. yeah <laughs> Alyssa was supposed to do like one trilogy. Just boats. Yeah. <laughs> but now she cohabitates with somebody who is not just going to do one trilogy. So now you have to do everything Eli does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the rule. I also think COVID happened, and we were like, we must talk to each other. Every yeah. Week. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wrote, I, I, I said that we should thank Robin Hobb for writing these books, 
may, you know, I'm sure she has not listened to anything we have said, but so many people have listened to everything we've said. And even if we've been critical or made a joke, I think that it's important for us to acknowledge that she's she's an amazing author and these are amazing stories and i'm happy to have shared it with you and our listeners so absolutely thank you robin thank you for making feel like we rag on (laughs) we rag on robin a decent bit here and there but you know she can take it ultimately like we yeah (laughs) she's above this yeah she is absolutely but somebody in her inner circle has listened to us so you know it's and yeah, tough. I sound weird because I just sit here silently weeping at my microphone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't think of any other series this long that I've read twice. No, yeah, I can't. Same. Like, I can't think of another another series this long that I would even attempt to read <laughs> unless it was having to do with another initiative. I am normally like a a nice little one and dunner. I don't know. There's some romance trash fantasy that I do like to read, but they're not 16 books. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, this is, it's, it's been a pleasure and thank you all for doing this with me. And yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your mail. Thank you for every DM. And, I'll yeah. say this. I went to, I think it was in 2019, I want to say. I went to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. And it was me and Rachel, Joy, and Eli. And we went to dinner one night. And we were sitting, and I think I've told this story before <laughs> in the podcast, but I'm going to tell it again. We were getting, I believe it was Thai food. And they, I don't remember the, th- this at all. the three of them were talking about these books and like where everybody was at. And I think somebody was reading things, maybe not quite in order. We were talking about people, how we're talking about how other people didn't read it in order, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about the fool and all these books. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I didn't either. And every, yeah, Joey had started reading some of them, but had only read like a couple few. And Eli had read a lot of them, but maybe not all of them. And Rachel's just like, I'm the God, it's the best books ever. These are the best books ever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I just am sitting there eating my nudes, like whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, shortly after, Rachel is like, no, but really, like, let's make this podcast happen. And she's like, do you want to read these? She texted me. And she's like, do you want to read these books and, like, do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Like, I got fuck all else going on. Like, and I read books. Like, let's fucking go. And then this happened. And it was really awesome. I honestly never, one, I didn't think we'd finish. (laughs) Oh, really? That's wild to me because, like, I don't not read things. Like, I finish everything. (laughs) I just, I I just didn't know. It's hard to predict if you're going to get through 16 books and a bunch of short stories. Well, two years of that was us all living in isolation, so. (laughs) It's true. And and also, there were no, when we started, there were no other Robin Hobb podcasts that I knew about. Like, there were some. I think there was one. There were some isolated people reading them as part of other fantasy but there was not like a dedicated robin hobb podcast and i was like no one's gonna listen to us we're gonna have 12 listeners and it's gonna be people that i bully into listening and they're not gonna listen and we're gonna peter off because no one's gonna listen and now we are 
at a hundred thousand downloads. Well, not quite. We're we're at ninety nine thousand. But not... I think by the time by the time this airs, <laughs> we we average. Hopefully, when they listen to yeah, this, yeah, we av- we will break a hundred thousand when this drops because we average about like nine hundred ish downloads in a week and so and wow. that is that is that was my i'm sorry oh we're that at Michael. we're at 99 so, so okay just for reference before we recorded this i sent a screenshot to everybody and we were at 99,000 downloads and we're now at 99.1 thousand downloads just in our five hour recording period so <laughs> god <laughs> Um, but yeah, thank you, Robin Hobb. Thank you, all of our listeners. Thank you to my co-hosts. Yeah, um, it's been a really, really special treat. the The level of engagement from people, yeah, is kind of the thing. Say, like, like all the I figured we'd get like a handful of list. I mean, like truly, in my my mind, I was like fifty people listening to us on a consistent basis was like mind blowing to me. And the fact that we can say we get like eight hundred and nine hundred downloads a week, I mean, that's a lot of people listening and taking something away because it's on a consistent basis and you know you see numbers but then when you actually have people writing in and the level of engagement even when we did our live 100th episode we had like 25 people there which to me was crazy i thought we were just gonna be like us and like two people (laughs) yeah but everybody (laughs) writing in and saying that we bring light to your lives and humor and yeah, I do really appreciate all the fan mail, especially since you know we did the podcast before, and like I mean, not that we asked for mail, but we've gotten so much more engagement in this podcast than I ever wow. thought we would. So it's been really nice. It's been really nice, and I we're gonna do a couple other episodes after this. I don't Dragon Con is coming, so our schedule is about to go crazy. Um, <laughs> but keep writing us, keep writing us some mail. I'm sure I will organize a few more episodes at least, and then we, if we, you know, if we have news of another project, it will be on this channel. So stay subscribed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's it. This has been Bucky Radio. You can email us at buckheapradio at gmail.com. I am Rachel. You can find me on the internet at Darth Rachel. I'm Alyssa, and I'm online at alyssameaner.com. I'm Jenny, and you can find me at Faceless Fray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> I, I can't oh, say my name. <laughs> oh, what happened? just cry a lot oh i'm sorry <laughs> this is ashley you can find me joey oh right i thought we were gonna just okay no ashley, i can't you, sure you don't want to do your slime i can't we can give you time i can't find my composure i did it for us <laughs> And and I was Joey, uh, uh, and you can find me at Uncanny Robot. So Ashley gets emotional; I just get stupider. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bar to reach that I thought was unreachable. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Next episode. I'm sorry. It's always possible. <sighs> okay, I think I did it. I'm Ashley. You can find me on Instagram at Ladybird Parker. <laughs> Yay. Yay! I can no longer breathe through my nose. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs>
right. Thank That's you. That's okay. You got there faster than I did through Joey's chat. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Hobb. Thank you, Fitz Chivalry Farseer. Uh, thank you for everything that you've written for us, Robin. And please write us some more. We would love to keep reading. So that's it. That's it. Thank you, everybody. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Is that like a third eye blind song? What's the song? Oh, it's the skill. It's the sound of the skill screen. <laughs>